And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good. The bad. And the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I am Chris Thomas. And I'm Ryan Oliver. How are you doing, Ryan Oliver? <laughs> I'm doing all right, Chris. So formal tonight. <laughs> I'm doing all right, Chris Thomas. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing shitty because I just finished Wild Hogs. Oh, God. Oh, you blew it. <laughs> you, you gave one of the picks away. That's okay. If anyone clicked on the episode, they already know what they're it's getting in the into, title. So yeah. it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, we tease it at the end of next week. Uh, next week, last week. Um, this is, a, of course, these are road trip comedies. I'm gonna I'm gonna put comedies in quotes because uh, one of them's a little bit biting, though it is still a comedy classified mm-hmm. as such. Uh, one of them is a straight up comedy, but it's very very bad at it. But it's and, not funny, and it's not funny at all. And one of them is I don't even know. And we're gonna do our best to try and get into it. But I I still like like the movie itself. We're probably gonna be back to square one by the time we end up discussing it. Um, oh yeah. But uh, yes, these are road uh, like I said road trip comedies in air quotes that don't have a destination. So these are movies in which the protagonist or protagonists are hitting the road with no agenda um they're just going out and in two movies specifically are very much uh if if easy rider isn't name checked it's at least alluded to very heavily that that's the sort of like vein that they're going they're trying to live that sort of nomad lifestyle that countercultural and then um you know it quickly goes bad for our protagonist in that realm um and then the other one is more lost in canada um, so I will introduce them without further ado, and we will just dive in for the good. I have chosen lost in America from 1985 directed by Albert Brooks for the bad. As Chris has already mentioned, I chose wild hogs from 2007 directed by Walt Becker and for the what I have chosen Ryan's babe from 2000 directed by Ray Ramaya PhD. So which is in That's, the credits. It's not it, being sarcastic. No, no. In the cre- he is credited as written and directed by Ray Ramaya, PhD. It was very important that that was in there. This man has probably saved lives and also inadvertently <laughs> made one of the strangest road movies ever made. But um, the first movie we're going to talk about to get to Ryan's Babe is um, Lost in America. Uh, this was a movie that was brought to me actually by a friend of the show and my old co-host from Over Under Movies, Octa Kozak. Um, this is the first time I watched it a couple years ago for that podcast. And um, it's a movie that, like, it was, I liked it. It kind of soured on me a bit, like, towards the end of the movie. But it's a movie that I feel like in the years since I watched it and just seeing how just the way of things are in our country and, like, how contrasting it is from that movie to now and then even further in the five years since I watched this movie, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. So I was like, I think it's time to revisit it and time to talk about it. And so, uh, but first I'd like to, I'd like to get your thoughts because I know this was your first time watching the movie. Um, So I'd love to hear what you think. 
Yeah, so it was my first time watching the movie, and then uh, another, I know that I had a revelation on our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode that I'd never seen it. I've never seen Easy Rider. So, oh, I, okay. I know it, it's another one of those embarrassing cinematic blind spots that I've just never gotten around to filling. I know that I, I should someday. Um, so, I know that this movie and then Wild Hogs, uh, uh, less so Wild Hogs, but this movie was very heavy in referencing Easy Rider. So, I'm, I'm aware of the movie. I know sort of the premise and what is, is going on in it. Um, but I feel like I was missing a bit of context uh, when when watching the movie. Um, I was also missing some context in I'm not super familiar with Albert Brooks. Um, I, I think... Uh, his comedy is is very dry um and it's very sort of uh, aggressive the it, it's situational comedy but the situation is um almost uncomfortable um oh yeah so when i was coming into this expecting road trip comedy i sort of came into it with a frame of reference expecting the movies to have sort of a wackier edge to them because that's usually the way that these run you know what i mean wild hogs is wacky it just sucks um but you know some of my favorites are like tommy boy uh right. is there's some slapstick and there's some stuff that's going on that that's goofy and wild and over the top and cartoonish and that's absolutely not what lost in america was no uh, it's it's um it, it's it was more I, I think i told you uh off mic was very much like in the vein of like pagliacci's sad clown where it, like there is it's a clown so you want to laugh but it's it's not it's not funny it's not traditional uh comedic punches it's it's almost a, a gut punch uh, from scene to scene to scene as you're sort of seeing the, this couple spiral out uh, over the course of their trip. So uh, uh, in hindsight, there was a lot more for me to appreciate, but I wouldn't say necessarily that while the movie was going on, I was like, yeah, this is a comedy. I'm I'm yucking it up over here. It toes that line. And I think that like I'm I'm. I, I'm I'm still in the, in the camp firmly that it's a comedy, but but it is very uncomfortable, almost yes. from like scene one. Um, so the premise of the movie, for anyone who's not familiar with the movie, we have uh, David and Linda Howard, who's played by Albert Brooks himself, and Julie Haggerty uh, from Airplane and from Good Bad What alum Freddie Got Fingered. Um, so we can't we can't get away from it we just can't do it (laughs) and so um they're essentially a couple upper middle class yuppies or or i guess i don't dinks might be the word uh the the acronym double income no kids Mm -hmm. um they're very much that um and he's like uh he's like high up in an advertising firm and he believes that he's going to get promoted to senior vice president uh but instead uh his boss wants him to go uh they're going after ford um, to get land them for a marketing campaign, and he wants them to move to New York City, and and do that, which they've already, like they've already have another. They're selling their house. They have money in escrow to another house, um, and so he thought he was getting that job. And instead of just taking what would be a lateral, probably then an up move, uh, he has a a very like almost toddler like temper tantrum in the mm-hmm. office of his boss. Oh, yeah. um, and then it becomes that whole, like, you're fired. Well, you can't fire me because I quit sort of situation. It's very awkward, really uncomfortable. Um, and then Linda works a job, like, just a desk job that she's been, like, stuck and bored at. And so they they get a jolt of lightning and decide, hey, we're going to we're gonna, uh, take, we're going to sell our house. 
we're going to bite the bullet on the money that's in escrow. We're going to sell, liquidate all of our possessions, and we're going to have $175,000. We're going to buy an RV. We're going to live off our nest egg, and it's going to be just like Easy Rider. Mm. Um, though, of course, I know you haven't seen Easy Rider, but you would know immediately that that's inaccurate because it's like they are like hippie countercultural. They are literally just living on the land. They got nothing right. but the shirts on their backs. So uh, already you're in a bad spot. <laughs> um, and so they buy an RV. They're going to, and this is like the little things that I like really picked up this time in the movie, because I feel like we do this, especially like as Americans. And it's so like pathetic. And I'm, I'm saying I'm lumping myself into this as well. Like they first hit the road in their Winnebago and they make a grilled cheese sandwich. And like, he's like, oh, this is like the best grilled cheese I've ever had just because they're in a new sort of situation. It'd be Mm -hmm. like, if you're going to travel and you went to like, Hyderabad, India, for example, and you got like Pizza Hut. And you're like, this is the best Pizza Hut I ever had. It was like, you're still mm-hmm. having Pizza Hut. You're not actually going and experiencing a right. cultural moment. Exactly. Yeah. You're not it's, trying anything new. Exactly. You're, you're just in a new place. Exactly. And so it's um, like little touches like that. Cause like then they, then like they're, they're like, we're hitting the road. But then it's like, oh no, let's stop in Vegas. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, it's our one last sort of night before we do this. So let's get like the honeymoon suite and do all right. of this stuff. Um, and then of course it takes a turn for the worse when Linda, um, pretty much gambles the entire nest egg away. Um, just sort of like as, as somebody who was like locked in for all these years and bored, just felt this rush and uh, yeah, then automatically, which leads to the best scene, but also an equally uncomfortable scene is the, the probably the most famous scene is the, the owner of the casino is played by, uh, Gary Marshall. Mm. Um, you know, the famous uh, showrunner and, and he directed, I think pretty woman. And he directed a bunch of other like sort of rom-coms in his later years, RIP. But the scene where Albert Brooks's David is trying to bargain to get his money back from him (laughs) as an advertising campaign. It is the, like, that's the clip I'm going to have to use for this Mm. one. I'm going to have to drop it in here. It can't do it justice. It is the, the most squirm in your seat inducing painful. Like it, it's, it's up there. We talked about adaptation last week. It's like right up there with the waitress scene from adaptation. Right. Like it is so damn painful. Um, and so, well, and one thing I want to I wanted to point out is that I thought was I thought was funny and odd and strange is like I, I haven't seen Easy Rider, but I am familiar with the fact that they are like a hippie lifestyle. They're roaming from place to place, basically selling drugs uh, to to keep going. And I thought it was funny that they basically because of this this revelation, this life-changing event of him losing his job, he runs and tells his wife, hey, you know, quit your job. We're going to hit the road and go. And then the next scene we get is them, like, in their house um, looking over, uh, like, paperwork and stuff and being like, well, uh, the house that we put a bid on, if we sell that house, is going to be X amount of dollars. If we sell the house that we own now, then we'll have X, X amount of dollars to be able to liquidate this much. We'll be able to pay off this much. And, like, running the math and running the numbers. And it was, like, immediately, like, a business transaction. It wasn't, it wasn't fuck it, caution to the wind, we're going to cut all ties and be free-spirited. It still had to be mathematical and methodical. And it still yes. had to follow these very rigid steps to, like, okay, our nest egg is going to be this amount of money, which means we can spend X amount each month and we're going to do that. They, they started from a standpoint of not living free-spirited. We need to live within these very rigid conf- confines in order to make it to destination X, 
and then that's when we'll we'll be free spirited and we'll be able to kick back and stuff but even our road trip is going to be a transaction from step a to b to c d um which i thought was i thought that was funny to me of of you immediately are going like reneging on on the the very premise that you've started yeah, exactly. It's like you, you know, mentioning, I'm glad you brought that up because it really is like you're starting from, you're already starting in a bad place if you're doing it like that. Like you're truly right. not going to live that lifestyle. And the other like little nice touch is like, and, and again, I want you to eventually see Easy Rider, but I, I will, I will say mild spoilers in that um, things don't work out very well in the end mm. of Easy Rider. Um, mm. And so um, it's like Easy Rider, and it's really funny to me watching this movie because Easy Rider is probably up there with like Scarface as the movie that people conveniently forget how the movie ends. Like so many people, like idolize Scarface, idolize Tony Montana. I was like, you realize he fucking dies at the end of that movie, right? Like, <laughs> I was like, it's not a not a thing you want to do. Like over a mountain of blow. Like, come mm-hmm. on, like this is not a good idea. And so. I love the scene. There's like the scene later. It's like they're they're flat broke. They're trying to figure out how to live on their like eight hundred and eighty dollars that they have left, and uh, they get pulled over by a cop. And um, Linda's able to sort of like talk the cop out of it because she brings up Easy Rider, and the cop's like, "That was my favorite movie. That's why I became a motorcycle. Like that's why I decided to drive mm-hmm. a motorcycle." And he's like, "That scene when they get blown away at the end," and Albert Brooks is like, "Oh yeah, great scene." And so it's like the cops doing that because it's like that, you know, that's just his, you know, he's sort of like the anti countercultural because that is his sort of like role. And like Albert Brooks is like, like agreeing with it. And it's like, well, you're agreeing with something that like, you're the character essentially in the movie and it doesn't work out for them. Right. Yeah. You're (laughs) the one that gets blown away. Like, yes, you're agreeing to a premise that you should not be very uh, quick to jump on board with. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, I think that, that's that's the thing that I that's the thing that I really love about this movie that I feel like it's it is uncomfortable yes but it really gets to the heart of like uh, like two sad truths uh, uh, sure. I think of like societal and like we'll we'll kind of get into the ending a little bit um, and it's like it's not too much of a I, I think it's still an experience worth we're sitting through because I think it's a, mm-hmm. a really really brutally honest movie but essentially like. The, the two truths that I feel the movie gets at is like number one is like the sort of like class structure of sort of like the and privilege where it's like yes. if you if you've reached a certain echelon in society you can really like only bottom out so much and it's like I know it's a anachronistic comparison but it reminds me a little like the ending of Wolf of Wall Street which is almost Wolf of Wall Street's more sour I think even than this because it's yes. a real person <laughs> Jordan Belfort is real real life scumbag and he goes to like basically a white collar prison at the end with the tennis resort the one that like ron levison describes in office space like that's Mm -hmm. pretty much what he goes to and so it's like okay well you got indicted but like you still are probably like richer than i am ever going to be um even after getting out of prison and so like you aren't gonna bottom out but then also it's sad in that there's these structural like even someone who is like upper middle class that there's these systems that like kind of keep you tied to the system that and Mm -hmm. you try to operate out of the system you you just can't do it and it's like you just look sad and lost and pathetic which is what happens with albert brooks and julie haggerty in this movie well and it's also the they're so tied into their like 
they they say that they want to live free, but it's so hollow. And and I think that's part of the comedy as well. Is that when when they strike out and uh, Julie Haggerty loses all the money gambling, uh, playing roulette all night, um, and so then they they don't have any money to really carry on with. We see that they like okay, well we need to get odd jobs, which. If you are a, a nomadic person, I mean, nomad land, like if you saw that movie, which is incredible, if you're that kind of person, that's exactly what you're doing. You're you're living off of what you your means, like what you have, and then when you need money, you have to pick up a job. That is something that you can do for a day or for a couple of days before you you know pop out and you move on. You're not you're not putting down roots. You're you're getting some cash enough to get you gas or food or whatever it is you need, and then you're moving on to the next thing. Most of your jobs are seasonal. You're just traveling around to whatever the next thing is that you want to get. So then when they when they're like, okay, well we need to get jobs. Let's go figure that out. Uh, Albert Books goes and gets a job uh, like holding a, a stop sign as a crossing, crossing guard, guard. Yeah. for a school, um, to which he immediately is just like fed up with. He hates the kids. He's sitting in a lawn chair. Doesn't he want to do the job? It's it's beneath him. He comes back to the RV, and Julie Haggerty is there with the manager of like the Weenie Hut. I don't remember the name. Der Winter Snitchel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, Der Winter Snitchel. She got a, a a waitressing job, or like she got a job at a diner, which is like yeah, like that's you can work a, a job like that, get cash from tips for a bit, and then move on. Like it's it's totally the type of job that you could get if you were in their situation where you need to get quick cash and then move on to the next thing. And both of them are just like, Ugh. yeah, Ugh. and they're like, livable oh. jobs too. Yeah. Like especially in 1985, like if you exactly. had like a waitressing job, it's like you could actually live on it. You know, live on that job. Um, you know, maybe not so much now in 2022, but at least, in, you know, in 1985, that was something you could actually do. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the fact that they're like, oh, OK, uh, well, this sucks. So I'm going to yeah. go eat, I'm going to go eat shit and get my job yeah. back in yeah. New York. Which is... Yeah. And they just take whatever money they have. They gas up the RV and then they drive to New York and he. And he, well, we don't even know if he gets the job. He does. The, the resolution. Park. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. That's yeah, right. we, we had we had text the text at the end that said like he got his job back for a one third pay cut, um, yeah. and and then uh, she got a job, and now they're expecting their first kid, and it's just yeah. like oh geez, like yeah. But the resolution of the movie wasn't him getting the job. It, the resolution was him realizing that like I'm not cut out for the free spirited untethered life. I need to be in a structured environment. I need to be tied to my career and doing the expected white class you know uh, uh, the white collar middle class uh uh you know job a middle of the road job which uh, it's very it's very melancholy it's like, sad it, the ending yeah, like it's not like, a happy ending it's like, not, yeah. it, like it, i know it's i know it's supposed to be a comedy but that's the thing that i was saying is like a lot of the things i was thinking about while watching the movie is like this is like in 1985, if you lost your job, sure, maybe you could just quit, uproot, drive across the country, and figure shit out. Maybe that is something that you could do. But like nowadays, you're not gonna fucking lose your job. Like and and like, eh, fuck it, whatever. I'll just hang out and move it. Like you're like the bottom drops out, and you need to be moving and shaking and and making deals and whatever you gotta do to get to the next job because you got bills to pay and you don't have health insurance and it, the the credit card bills are piling up like we don't have that sort of freedom in today's structure and so then like it it acts as a as a snapshot of that time where that could happen but it's still like a terrible thing which only compounded in in my mind in my experience i was thinking about it it was just like oh my god shit's so much worse now 
than yeah. Oh, so <laughs> much. There's no movie. way. Like I was like, no. oh, even if I sold, I was like, even if I sold the house, and then I took into account like everything else, I was like, I'd I'd get maybe a couple months <laughs> max yeah. without doing something. <laughs> oh yeah. So. Yeah, I, yeah, there's no fucking way that that you would be able to go from to to, to zero income and be like, eh, you know, we'll, we'll liquidate some things and figure it out. And like, no, no, yeah. you're panicking. Exactly. No, it's it's a definite snapshot of privilege. Like, and, and we talk about it a lot. It's that it's that Reaganomics era. Mm-hmm. It's that like absolutely like get what you get, get what you can while you can, right? Um, you know, just excess, and then that they. You know that they they just had a privilege. They had a privilege to do something for them. It, they were a tourist in a lifestyle that like people actually live, right. and that's sort of like also sad and pathetic about the movie too. Not that people live it, but that like oh this is this is where they're at. This is what they think, and for it's sure. just like it's it's a it, it like like we've said it's a comedy, but it's definitely one that makes you kind of kind of look at look at what's going on and go oh have to laugh Ugh. to to keep from crying sort of situation like exactly yeah, it, it's mostly like the the comedy is mostly schadenfreude but i think i'd i'd be curious to see like i don't have the attitude of somebody who was like in their 30s in the 80s that was looking at this maybe this was like a laugh riot to somebody in the 80s seeing like oh look at these poor schmucks who are in between jobs at the moment um, because when I'm watching this in, in 2022, I'm like very anxious about like, oh shit, like they got to start getting income. Like what? Oh my God. Look, it's going to fall apart. Well, it makes me wonder like to where like, you know, cause I do feel like, you know, are we just like hypersensitive to that because things are different and so much worse mm-hmm. or, and I think, well, probably a little column A, column B, like Albert Brooks, who is a sharp writer and a sharp director was probably super ahead of the curve. Or sure. he's just like, I think like people probably found this funnier at the time, potentially, because they were mm-hmm. a lot of people like David and Linda going to the movies and seeing this and being like, ha ha ha. And now it's like, and now Brooks is like, no, you missed the point, actually, from what I was <laughs> trying to get at. So, yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. I think it's it's definitely worth a watch. I would say like uh, in, in terms of road trip comedies, don't go into this expecting it to be a Tommy boy. It's going to be a bit more introspective yes, than that for sure uh, i think the comedy's still definitely there but i think it, it's uh it's satire it's a great satirical comedy and it's and there's a great criterion out uh for it as well uh as well as brooks's defending your life which i think was the movie he made after this with him and meryl streep so definitely check that out as the boldest experiment in advertising history you give us our money back i beg your pardon give us our money back Think of the publicity. The Hilton Hotels has these billboards all over Los Angeles where the winners of these slot machine jackpots, their faces are all over L.A., and I know that works. I've seen people at corners look up and say, maybe I'll go to the Hilton. Well, you give us our money back. Uh, I I, I don't even know now because I'm just coming off the top of my head, but a visual where if we had a billboard and the Desert Inn handed us our nest egg back, this gives the Desert Inn, really, Vegas is not associated with feeling. Well, first of all, those people on those signs, they won. You lost. But that's it. That's, that's, that's the campaign. Watch the campaign. You gave my wife and I our money back because you reviewed our situation and you realized that we dropped out of society and we, we, we weren't just gamblers and we made a mistake 
and you gave our money back. Do you know, you couldn't get a room in this place for 10 years. Then everybody will want their money back. All the gamblers will say, hey, go to the Desert Inn and get our money back. Um, a movie where the comedy is not there. Is there will never wild. be a criterion. It will never be. Oh God, God help us! If there's a criterion of <laughs> Wild Hive, look, look. I know, I know. It's tough out there, like for freelance writers. I get it. I was there once, um, and and there's a whole lot of like everything. Once it's past a certain age, is like good again. Please don't let there be a Wild Hog sassance. Like it doesn't. <laughs> it shouldn't. This, no. this, this is not going to get reassessed in a few years and be like, oh, people were really hating on that Wild Hogs movie unfairly. Like, no. I I hope that is the case. I really hope that nobody comes back. And I don't and know did. if you could. There's no there's no fucking way that you could. And I, I I think it's like first off, I I maybe chuckled at the movie like twice, and I and I can remember one of them pretty clearly. It's when. Is when William H Macy they are on their road trip. He comes walking out of the woods with a Walmart shopping shopping bag in his hand, and he goes, "Hey guys, there's poop in this bag. Don't eat it." And then everybody like turns. It's like, "Whoa! Like what? What do you? Why is there poop in the bag? Like get that away from us." That was that line made me chuckle because I just didn't expect it. And then I don't remember really. Oh, and then I laughed at Kyle Gass when he was doing his karaoke. Um, karaoke. I was going to say that was the only time I laughed at the movie was it well. And it's like, it's not even shot or framed in a way that's funny. It's just funny. Cause it's Kyle gas. It's funny. Cause it's Kyle gas yeah. doing his thing, but it's, it's so, I mean, this movie, this movie, this movie was made for like, this is a, okay. Boomer. The movie. Yes. Like, yes. It's, it's, it's very like, uh, it's just everything about it is so, so the, We'll get into like this. There's not much of a plot. I mean, really, it's just like four sub, four middle aged suburbanites uh, have woes in their lives, and they decide to go hit the road like an easy rider style, uh, and then they get more than they bargain for when they run into an actual biker gang who's led by Ray Liotta, mm-hmm. um, and then hijinks ensue, and then they end up in a small town of uh, it, it's, it's I I know it's a jo- it's supposed to be a joke of like mm-hmm. the town is. Madrid, like they mm-hmm. were like trying to pronounce it, but it Madrid, Madrid, whatever. Yeah, it's it is. spelled Madrid, but they're like, well, they pronounce it as Madrid around here, and that's and, the joke. And it, yeah, and it was a it was a joke. Like that's that's their attempt at comedy here is like, no, it's it's spelled a way that you would expect it to be uh, from an, another uh, uh, city that you know, but it's not pronounced that way. Yeah, it's it, it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> laugh. <laughs> This, this movie is like sit, sitcom e, and we'll get into that, yes. you know, a bit. But um, yeah, and then like the plot kicks in about an hour in where it becomes a like to Wong Fu, thanks for everything style movie where they get like held up in a small town uh, because their their bikes are out of gas and the gas station doesn't run for reasons. I, so um, we should explain like more of the plot that gets up to you. Cause I we think, will. Like, we will. When you I frame just... it is what really makes it stand out is like. Because it's really important that you said an hour in is when it, is. it takes that turn. Because it is important that it takes an hour <laughs> in. Because it's like, it's, it's so, because like, I'm not going to say nothing happens, but it's like everything. No. Nothing of it's consequence. Like, no, because everything is super generic. It's like you have our lead characters who are all like, it's that typical, like, you know like the stereotypical like middle-aged man woes it's like mm-hmm. not everyone goes through this but it's like 
you know, Tim Allen's character, uh, Doug, who's like, he's like eating salads while his family around him is having like bacon for breakfast and whatnot. My cholesterol so, is high. Yeah, womp, exactly. Womp, womp. Womp. And he's a dentist, but like he says he's a doctor, but he's a dentist, which makes me, I have some questions for Todd Phillips because <laughs> the dynamic of these characters, like, like, I mean, the hangover in hindsight is kind of a crummy movie, mm-hmm. but it's a still better movie than this one yes. for sure. Um, but I had some questions of like, did you, did you rip off wild hogs? Of the hangover all? is at least <laughs> shot. Interestingly. Yeah. It's, it's got more going on for <laughs> sure. I, I, there, there's again, there's going to be no argument here that that's a, a at least a more a movie of note than, than but it's one. also speaking of note, it's important to note that when the movie starts, as it introduces our characters of going down of Doug and Bobby and Woody and Dudley and introducing each of the four members of the wild hogs, it does it like the shining where there's just black. <laughs> it's white text over black title cards of Doug. And then it introduces Tim Allen's Doug and shows that my cholesterol is high. So I can't eat meat and my son doesn't respect me. And, um, his wife is a non-character, but like, I think it's supposed to be coming across that his wife, I don't, is bored or not. Like she seems super supportive and super cool, but I think that might just be because they didn't write anything interesting for her to do, but it, it almost seems like he feels disrespected, but like really he just comes across as a huge asshole. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's because every, everything he's saying, like everything that is, that is Doug's problem with his life that his arc is to correct is all shit that's his fault or his problem. Like, I, I, I don't know the medical, the underlying medical condition behind him not being able to eat meat and he has a cholesterol issue or whatever, but it's just like, hey man, that's your diet. That sucks. Like, you know, sometimes you got to watch your diet so that you don't die. That's a thing that happens. Sorry, we're people. But then like, your son doesn't respect you? Talk to your son, man. Like, maybe spend some more time with him. See what his hobbies are. Maybe, like, go to a game or something. Like, try and bond with him or whatever. But, like, his arc in the movie is that he goes on a fucking road trip and gets in a fight with some bikers and then uses that as leverage to be like, hey, son, I fought those bikers. Aren't I cool now? And then that's what they bond over. It's like, you could have played catch, dick. <laughs> it doesn't... You mentioned The Shining. I felt like Jack Torrance in The Shining after this movie ended, <laughs> just staring, frozen. That that's that shot where he's in front of the fireplace and it just like slowly pushes it on his face. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a heavy Kubrickian stare. Um, yeah. Well, it's because like the the thing is like there's all the ancillary characters in the beginning. All the family members are just like the worst, and it's woe is me for all these guys. And they're either like underwritten, like Doug's family. Or they're written as just, like, really, like, shrill people, mm. such as, like, Bobby Martin Lawrence's family. Yeah. of like So Martin Lawrence, like, took a year off from work to become a writer. Um, and so she's the uh, she's the breadwinner. And so it's like, oh, you need to go back and get your job. His daughter doesn't respect him. His mother-in-law doesn't respect him. Which I'm like, this is some bass ackwards way of thinking. Like, even yeah. in 2007, I was like, hey, you know, sometimes uh, the, the guy is not the breadwinner in the family. So, you know. Yeah um but and grow like, up even like <laughs> and again like they they even like refer to him as being like henpecked or whatever but like at the beginning of the movie like his wife like talks to him and and says uh hey you know you know what today is you said a year ago that you were gonna give up and try this venture you haven't written a book 
it's time for you to go back to work. I even called ahead to your office, which I, his job is, is uh, the, the joke is that they say the firm to make you think that he's a lawyer. And then they cut and he works for a plumbing company called The Firm. And he's at a gas station and he has to, he has to clear a poopy. Uh, oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's dookie. But... It's, so, it's so stinky because the, the, the clerk is like, oh, I got like held at gunpoint last week and mm-hmm. this is way worse. Yeah, like, like your your job is worse than my job, and I got robbed yesterday. Like, ah uh, ha ha, yeah. But like the which again is just like throwing shade at people who are working jobs that are completely necessary for society. So cool, write, write a dick joke into your fucking. Uh, it, it's like it's like half baked when he's just like, uh, I'm. What is he? What does he say? He's like, uh, I'm a. A master of the custodial arts or a janitor yes. if you want to be a dick about it. Yes, I'm a master yeah. of the custodial arts or a janitor if you want to be a dick about it. Which is just like, yeah, he's just working a fucking job. You don't need to be an asshole to everybody who's a janitor for a joke in your movie. But even when his wife is talking to him, she's not like, you're, you're I can't believe you didn't write your book. You're a loser. You're pathetic. Like, uh, you've been wasting your time over this life. She's just like, yeah, you had a year. You didn't write anything. We need, uh, you know, another income in this house where, like, obviously, my mom lives with us. We got two kids. You need to go back to work. I already called ahead. They said that they're willing to take you. You need to go back to work. And it's just like, both in the case of, of Doug and Bobby, their wives seem loving and supportive and totally behind everything that they're doing. But, like, the movie sort of presents it in a way that, like, their life is fucking terrible and they feel they feel emasculated they don't feel like men and john john travolta is in the middle of a divorce and his uh supermodel uh, uh like bikini model wife um is divorcing him and left him so he's losing all of his money and then the weirdest of all is william h macy where they cut to him in a coffee shop with his laptop and he looks over and there's like a, a young woman, like a, a, a she's like twenty years younger than William H Macy is, and she's giving him like the ooh, like the the hot eyes from across the coffee shop, and he sees it, and so then he's like, oh, uh, hey Mac, and then his laptop starts talking back to him like an early like a precursor of Siri, like he's trying to impress her, which is just like don't be a dick having an out loud conversation with Siri in the middle of a coffee shop that has a bunch of people in there, like reading books and doing whatever they're doing about their day. So first off dick move, but like second of all, like this girl in the coffee shop is not going to be turned on and impressed by William H. Macy having his conversation with his computer. But then it's supposed to make him look like a, like an egghead, like a nerd. Like he, he's, he's an engineer or he like builds, he, he codes things and he, he builds like brilliant pieces of software. But then he like says, uh, show me unusual sets. And then it's like showing unusual sex. And then it starts popping up like porn ads that have sound and stuff around it. And he flips out and pours coffee on his computer and, and kills it and fries it. And then the girl's unimpressed and she, and she leaves the, the coffee shop. And it's like, uh, boomer humor, you've somehow, like, shoehorned in this thing where, like, this young, hot woman is somehow interested in this guy who's in his late 40s, early 50s for no reason, which is, I don't know, maybe it happens, but it's it doesn't happen to the degree and the, 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 the speed at which it happens in Wild Hogs. It happens a lot in this movie. And second off, it's that fear of technology or fear of new technology of, like, Oh, of course it's not going to work right because I don't know how to open up Chrome. And it's just like, like it's, it's so 
lowest rung. It, it's it's the bottom of the barrel type Facebook meme type joke of like you told computer to do a thing and it embarrassed you. Isn't computer bad? Exactly. So I mean, speaking of bottom of the barrel, we we should move along quicker than this movie does <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like that I this was important to set up before mm-hmm. this like road because this is like this is the dynamic of the characters like you said and mm-hmm. it's all so lowest common denominator so like pathetic it's just like i've seen worse movies but this this is but it's so pathetic yes this movie and like all the attempts at humor are like the most feeblest wet fart of an attempt um of of jokes yes. and so it's like yes so it's like boomer humor like woe is me isn't my life terrible and it's like no none none of yours are really well maybe travolta's but other than that yeah, like he's going through a divorce th- it's rough but and he's also rough, the one that the, incites the road trip where he's like exactly let's go guys yeah exactly we're like oh we we have our little community in our small town but it's like we ride in this parade like what else are we gonna do mm-hmm. so let's actually take a full-blown road trip so they go on a road trip um and and it's all just like i mean like lowest common denominator i mean from the start from the jump of the road trip like i'm gonna say conservatively 95 percent of the jokes are gay panic easy 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 like almost all of them and even the ones that don't start gay panic jokes will work it in at some point there will be an allusion to oh icky gay oh no you did a you did a gay thing because like you're a man you touched me so therefore oh well and even when it tries it 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 takes one moment and we'll get into it in a second where it's like it's like one moment where it's like attempts to lean into maybe progressive for like a second and then the punchline had to be like gay panic, uh, which I think you know exactly the scene that I'm referring to. But there's the first like instance of it where, and this is a weird one too. So like they they're camping out in the woods, and like they wake up and like oh, they're saying like, "Oh my ass hurts!" Like the all yeah. those like the, the, things like that. And then we have a, a like officer dangle from Reno nine one one looking police officer played by John C McGinley, who the is like cop uniform I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, like I said, even more so than than Reno nine one one. Oh yeah, uh, like it, it's it's the tightest cop uniform you've seen, tightest cop shorts, and and he's basically like he's he's envious essentially, yeah. and so I mean he straight um, up comes out and says it. He was just like, yeah. I am like he says one count of jealous and like points at himself, yes. and and that's when they do the book. yeah, like oh uh oh okay, yeah. like yeah, he does it in a very effeminate way. Um, and then he pops up in the next scene that I'm going to talk about here shortly. But it's weird because even after that scene, does he pop up again for the rest of the movie? Like you think it's no. going to be sort of a recurring thing, right? Where I he, thought it like, was shows too. up through the movie. I was hoping and that he'd it, show up in in like the finale when they they called the cops. I was like, yes, obviously it was him. he's going to be a state trooper and he's going to roll up and be part of the troops that saves them. See, see. Yeah. That just shows how lazy this movie is. You had a setup. Yes. You had a setup and you didn't pay it off. Easy payoff. And it, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> how, you have a cop in how? the movie who has shown up twice so far for jokes. You know, cops are on the way to save our heroes. Uh, like, pretty easy to lead you along to say, have that cop show up. And then they, they didn't. And it's just like, oh, okay. Like. They probably didn't know how to shoehorn in, in another gay joke. They've already gone through all of them. 
That's true. They they had no other cleverness because then they do a scene later where they're at like a hot spring, mm-hmm. and I think it's William H Macy's character yep. who like takes his underwear off and dives in, and they're like, "Oh," and he's like, "What?" I thought we were doing the whole natural thing, and then they all decide to like, "Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, we'll do it." Which I want to and point we... out is sort of like a setup for gay porn, <laughs> like for all the gay panic stuff that they've been doing. They have like a guy show up and be like, "Well, I know I'm naked. Shouldn't you guys get naked?" Like, "Well, I guess we could get naked," and it's just like. We're we're one like baseline walk away from this, t- like taking a left corner into exactly what you've been trying to like you icky like stay away from, which is what you're saying. Where it's just like that's where it started to sort of say like, well, okay, well they are breaking those boundaries down and they're not running away from this. They're not saying icky you gross at this moment. So maybe the entire movie isn't going to be that. And then mm. and then they, but then a minivan of a family pulls they up, tripled down on it. Oh, hard, hard. Where, like, the family gets in, like, oh, we don't mind if you join us, do you? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. And then, uh, yeah, they realize, the family realizes that they're naked. And the dad's like, get the kids back in the car right now. And it's just like, oh, my God. Which is, is almost, it's 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 like a, it's like a morality tale of, like, look what happens when you, when you show comfort with your body and with your sexuality around your friends. Something goes horribly wrong. And, like... And then not only does this family of children and, and like, the sweet, wholesome family show up and offer them potato salad, and then uh, the dad mistakes uh, his penis for a crawfish uh, and gets real close to it, and then they have, like, their party and everything. But then the cop shows up. Oh, that's right, yes. And he shows up and just... And he's naked. Like, hey, yep, room for one more. And then they were like, um no that's okay and then they they start to and that's not even it's just it's so like why like right. why 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 right it's like and so it's like and like you said again like you've had two instances where the cop showed up it's weird that he disappears from that's the rest it of that's the his movie. last like, thing in the movie yeah especially when it's a character that you and an actor that like you know is like well known yeah. <laughs> it's just like what are you doing well and like and doing? callback jokes are like that is comedy. That's like one of that's an easy yeah. slot in your belt in comedy, is a callback joke. And so, and like, they couldn't even pull that off. Yeah. They couldn't even pull that off. I mean, say what you will. Uh, Tim Allen is a comedian. He did stand up comedy. He's been on comedy shows all of his life. He knows what a callback joke is. I'm so surprised that there wasn't just. Like, I am Why too. are we not having this guy fucking show up in the movie again? Oh, sidebar! Before we get into the bike bar, um, the the uh, I did chuckle a couple other times, and it wasn't because of like the movie's writing, but it's just like, how do you have Tim Allen, and then you have another character in the movie who's named Woody? So when he says Woody, I'm like, sort of chuckling a little bit, where I'm just like, I didn't even did think of that. that. I mean, I've I, I have a kid, man. I've seen Toy Story. <laughs> I saw Toy Story a bunch of when I was a kid, and now I've seen it a bunch. <laughs> now so well, yeah I mean, why would they not I, play that up more or or have a very obvious joke nod yeah yeah it's so there you go there was a the missed opportunity number two so wow the, this movie's full of them well i think um, it's because the the characters themselves are non-characters so they didn't even think about the character dynamics yeah. they just like they're archetypes that's all they yeah. are they're like walking archetypes and like and that's the also the crazy thing too i mean i know we're sidebarring a lot and i was like i want to get out of this movie i don't want to talk about it anymore but i think the also biggest important thing to note in addition to how lame the script is and how like we've already brought up a couple instances of things they could have done to even make it like better Mm -hmm. is i'd say all four of these actors at least have their strengths right they have 
no chemistry. No. There is absolutely zero chemistry between the four of them. It is no. baffling how much they, they're, they don't. They're in four different movies. Yeah, they do not work off each other at all. No. And it's so, so strange. And I, I think I even wrote in my little letterbox entry, I was like, this is a career worst for the four of them, which is saying something given some of the movies that Tim Allen, Martin Lawrence, and John Travolta have been in. And John Travolta, yeah. William H. Macy, Innocent, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> William H. Macy, he he picks some strange ass roles, and so like even seeing him in this, I would say even William H. Macy is, is innocent. So because even when we get to the gay panic stuff, he's not touching any of it. No. and in fact, he's the butt of most of the jokes. Of like he uh, wrecks his bike or something, so he's riding on the back of John Travolta's bike, and John Travolta's is like, uh, you, "You smelled my neck back there," and they like, uh, "What's that in your pocket?" And he's just like, "Oh, it's a it's a pocket knife." Like they have like so many jokes at William H Macy's expense to be like, "Oh, he's the he's the gay one of the group," and like trying to make jokes about it, mm-hmm. and he never takes part in it. So yeah. I was very, I was very happy to have William H Macy come out pretty clean uh at, to, at the end of this movie like yes. he's he's doing his own thing for the most part he's like the most wholesome and innocent of the group and he's actually trying he's the straight so. man of the ones really like and so right it's oh, yeah. it's, it's uh i think he does all right i mean even he, though he's played as the oddball which is what's strange which is so weird <laughs> it's so bizarre well and in you know he's the butt of the joke further when we get into the scene where they 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 meet like ray Liotta's, uh biker gang mm-hmm. um they're like the delph way goes which apparently they wanted yeah. to use the hell's angels but they were gonna sue their asses so they, yeah, kill didn't, them. Didn't, <laughs> they did not do it and so um because they go to the the biker bar and like william h macy's telling ray Liotta, who's the leader of this biker gang like how much he likes his bike and so it's like because he's the sort of smart one even though he can't ride his bike well he knows like the type so he's like hey and mm-hmm. i'm not a bike person so i'm not gonna remember exactly what he said but he's like it's a panhead yeah i only know this because i watched it like 40 minutes ago oh, okay panhead <laughs> like he, he was like really like like super like, he's like yeah that bike and that like leader engine and all that and mm-hmm. um and then ray Liotta is like oh i saw your your bike out there i had one of those when i was a kid i'll trade you and yeah. so you like you think that you think that like because Martin Lawrence and Tim Allen and um, Josh Volta, like they had been trying to do like a sort of dick measuring contest and it was clear they were losing. And so you yeah. think that like the olive branch is going to be extended out. But when really like they lead him out to the junker yard and he's like, oh, yeah, no, that's the bike there like that you wanted. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to no trade. tires on it. No, no, exactly. No shocks. No, nothing. It's just a frame. So the next scene, yeah. he's like riding cab, like one of the like little cab side bikes on John Travolta's. Yeah. And so it's like. Um, which we, we got to get into this because this is played for yucks and I feel it's both played for yucks and for like a, a go yeah like moment but it's actually really even though it's like yeah they were being jerks Ray Liotta's gang I, I still don't think they weren't like I don't know arson because like yes, yes. <laughs> we need to talk about that because they they John Travolta goes back to get the revenge and he like he like busts up their bikes and starts like pouring gas through um and he goes and then like lights it i think he like with the intent of just burning the bikes like that was the intent. he didn't light it so oh he, it that's was, right it was, it's a sp- it was ray Liotta's cigarette his cigarette did it that's right he was just intent on on busting their bikes up he cut their gas lines yes yeah. and so then that's why the gas was poured everywhere and well and it's the the whole setup is really strange because like they they're riding down the road he stops he's like i'm going back and i'm, I'm gonna get uh, uh dud's bike from those guys and he goes back and he's like sneaking around and first off like 
these guys are supposed to be played off as like badass bikers. Ray Liotta dresses them down, which I also Ray Liotta I think comes out of this untouched. He's yeah. basically playing Henry Hill who rides a bike, um, but he he's fine. Like he yeah. he's playing the character he needs he needs to play for this movie. He's he's so I didn't. No, I was gonna say he's also much better, and I know the movie's contentious contentious because people either love it or they really really fucking hate it because it's so mean spirited. But I would recommend more his performance in Observe and Report, the Jody Hill movie. Mm-hmm. It's very similar performance and just how much of a asshole he is. Um, but that movie is way, way, way meaner and has, for all of its faults, the balls that this movie does not hit for right. sure. Um, but even, like, in this movie, like, he's like he's an asshole, but he's not, like, he's not, like, murderous. He's not no. pulling a knife out on these guys. He's not just, he's a trickster. And, and we, it, we just went through where he's just like, oh, man, I'll trade your bikes. Here's my panhead. And it's not the panhead that was parked in the parking lot because right. that's not my bike. This is my bike. We, we have to swap bikes now and you got fucked over and now you guys have to go home because you guys are posers. So, it, but it's also like, it's the first conflict that happens in the movie and this is like at the 40 minute mark is when this happens in the movie. And so like, other than showing that the guys are having like a bad time with their lives and so they want to strike out on the road and have a good time, which I guess you could consider an inciting incident as far as the story is concerned. No. Nothing actually happens to put their characters into conflict because they they didn't strike out, uh, except in the case of Martin Lawrence, which I will bring up at the end of the movie. Um, They didn't strike out against the will of anybody and they're running from somebody and there's some tension or there's some drama or something going on. They're just going for a bike ride. Yeah. So everything that's been happening up to this point with the camping and the gay panic and the family at the at the sauna and everything they've been going through, it's just dudes riding along on the road with nothing really kind of tying it together. So we don't actually get a actual inciting incident until they meet these bikers at the 40-minute mark. And then John Travolta sneaks back to get his bike, cuts the gas lines. While he's passing the bar, the bikers are in there wa- uh, listening to... Bon Jovi? Yeah. Which I'm like, these guys are supposed to be like hard uh, biker dudes who are like riding the highways. They're listening and like, to Bon Jovi. To fucking Bon Jovi. John Bovi. <laughs> God. Yeah. Kill me. I was like, the need- I was like, what? like what the fuck? All the needle you- drops in this movie are like ubiquitous. <laughs> like the most like, ugh, it's terrible. It's, it's, again, oh, it's, it's, it's all Skinnered. It's all Bon Jovi. It's, There's again, a couple of creepy Okay, songs. Boomer. Okay, Boomer. The movie is, is oh. this one. Um, but yeah, exactly that. He cuts their gas lines. He, he goes and takes the, the, uh, motorcycle to ride off, rides up to them and tells them, Hey, I, I went back there and I told those guys off, told them that if they touch us, that, you know, we'll bring our lawyers. And they said that they understand, so they're going to let us ride through. So he lies at the guys. They ride back through, and when they do, the bikers see them. They run out to get their bikes, not noticing that their gas line's been cut. Ray Liotta drops a cigarette. It lights the gas, like, trails all the way back to the bar and blows the bar up in mm-hmm. this fucking fireball, like this gigantic fireball. And then that's our inciting incident. They are now on the run from these malicious bikers. And the movie is 110 minutes long and 45 minutes of the movie have gone by to get up to this point before anything of consequence happens to cause drama. Yes. And the thing is, I I do want to know... What? No. What the hell? No, I mean, what the hell? Agreed. (laughs) I mean, I want to know that, like, it's one of those things where, like, if... 
it was actually funny or enjoyable or people had chemistry mm-hmm. along the way, you wouldn't really care about that all that much. Right. But the fact that it's really miserable and then it's like, okay, now something is actually happening in the movie. Um, the, yeah. it, it just it, it makes it more egregious because you're like, I'm not enjoying my time with these people. And then, no. and then it well, takes forever to happen. Coming off of our adaptation episode, I don't want to come into this episode and be like, you need to stick to the rigid rules of screenwriting at the 10, ten pages is when you introduce your inciting incident. I don't want to, I don't want to do that shit. And right. I, like, uh, I, the, another movie I already mentioned, Tommy Boy. Fucking love Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy's inciting incident is the, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen <laughs> Tommy Boy, uh, the heart attack of big Joe Callahan. Yeah. So, like, when he goes down that's like the 20 minute mark 25 minute mark because they introduce tommy they introduce him going to school he flies back from being at college he meets the he meets his dad meets his like his new mom like there's a whole mingling of stuff before he has the heart attack at the wedding and then tommy's got to hit the road with david spade to go sell a million brake pads uh that whole thing takes like 20 25 minutes for them to get that going and that movie's fucking brilliant because they give you enough time to marinate understand the character dynamic and the brilliant chemistry between david spade and chris farley that goes on there this movie like you said if it had the chemistry if it had those tight jokes that didn't just rely on like oh our wieners almost touched oh, yeah like exactly the, then it would be enjoyable but the fact that it's so baseline and and just mean spirited in, yeah. in a in a sense uh, like and and i we do we need to get the fuck out of this i was gonna movie. say we need to get to the finale because i just so realized we'll i just realized i'm like we still got to talk about ryan's babes so we need to we need to oh yeah we, we need time for ryan we babe. need to get out of this but let's so i i guess we'll we'll fast forward fast forward fast forward because really i think i know you wanted to talk about the 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 ending ending and sort of like the resolve so we'll kind of like speed mm. through it essentially we kind of already mentioned the town of madrid uh that they run into their car their motorcycles are out of gas they get there uh they take um you know the town it's super friendly um mm. like william h macy hits it off with the waitress at the diner played by marissa tomei also an underwritten character but i feel like she gets out scot-free um Bless, yep. bless Marissa Tomei. Um, I felt bad for her. I love Melissa, yeah. Marissa Tomei. So I was just like seeing her in this movie. I was like, oh. Same with the sheriff. Uh, same with the sheriff played by Stephen Tobolowsky. Uh, yeah. The famous character actor. Probably most famous for Groundhog's Day would probably be my. Oh, yeah. Most, Ned Ryerson. Ryerson. Yeah. Um, so he's great. He, I dated your sister until he told me not to. Yeah, he's he's like the one <laughs> shining spot like when they get to the town in addition to Kyle. Oh, yeah. It's not funny, but it's just pleasant to see him. Um mm-hmm. But they take, they, you know, like, they take time. There's another like, gay panic scene because William H. Macy wants to uh, ask Marissa Tomei's character to dance. And so, oh God, yeah, yeah, I remember asked John Travolta's character to do it, but then he does it. And it's just like, oh, God. But essentially, then then it really comes down to this showdown. Like, right, the, the, mm-hmm. the Del Fuego showed up to town. And I guess... I, did I miss something? Like they've given that town like crap before. Like yeah, yeah they're like a like a. Well, because when when they show up in the town, they go into the diner and they're wearing like their leather and stuff. Everyone's just like, oh, they they think it's the Del Fuegos, and right? They have to explain right. like we're not with them, and they're like, oh, okay, well you should stay for our our chili cook off, and and they were out of gas at that point, and right. the gas station doesn't open until the following day, so they stayed for the chili cook off. Um, also of note, uh, Lim H Macy has a scene where he walks up to Marissa Tomei at the at the diner and he uh, doesn't know how to talk to women. Uh, so then he doesn't know how to talk to her. He gets nervous. He walks away. 
There's another scene at the chili cook-off. She is like, do you want some of my chili? And he stumbles through his words, unable to say that he would like her chili without saying that she's hot. Because uh, that's funny that he's fumbling over his words and, and doing that. And then he eats the chili, it's too hot, and he leaves. And then the next time that we see William H. Macy, because there's a separate scene that happens where uh, uh, Travolta, Alan, and Lawrence go and they slap a bull in order to feel like they're alive. And then they come back and William H. Macy goes walking up to them and he's like, you know, that uh, that girl, Maggie, uh, from the diner, she likes me. Um, she just asked me to dance uh, and, and I'm nervous about it. And then we're like, you've been in this town for like a number of hours and you've said like two words to this woman. One of them was like you were not able to handle her chili and you ran away from her. <laughs> but now she like Im- like immediately has a crush on you. And then they go dance. And then the next thing after that, they're like making out outside. And it's like the... It's 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 like wish fulfillment. Of I was the just about generation. to say this is this is a very heavy wish fulfillment movie in a lot of ways, but like with nothing to earn any of it. No, no, it's, it's very much like the 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 beginning of the movie is a is a boomer by himself complaining about how the world isn't right and isn't the way that I thought it should be, and nothing is the same as it as it is. It's um. It's Abe Simpson's fucking uh, old uh, man yells at Cloud. Yeah, no, no, it's uh, it's his. Uh, I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. Is what this movie is, and then the resolution of the movie is just to have those things happen for these characters that we don't like and we don't care about, and then that's supposed to make us feel good. But it's just like none of it is earned no. none of it makes sense none of it is gratifying it's all just guy uh, old white guys get what they want and like i i know i keep dragging us like like an anchor back into wild hogs but they have this whole thing there's the relationship with them going on the del fuegos show up in town and they're basically like hey we're gonna fuck this place up unless you guys give yourself up and they basically have a fist fight with the Del Fuegos, they are getting their asses kicked. And then this legendary biker that uh, Ray Liotta was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. He's like, this guy's a real biker. This guy actually knows what it's like. He's the guy that we built our, our bar around. Damien Blade is the character's name. And, Damien Blade. And predictably. Played by Peter Fonda. Yep. Which, again, I haven't seen Easy Rider, but when he walked in, I was like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, because you know. You know the iconography, and you know it's Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper. And you know, because I was actually thinking, I was like, I was like, did Dennis Hopper, because I know Peter Fonda passed away recently, but Dennis mm-hmm. Hopper passed away a while ago, and I was like, did Dennis Hopper pass yet, or was he probably just, like, nah, fuck that, I'm he not going to do it. He passed in 2007, right? Yeah, uh, no, Dennis Hopper was still alive. He passed yeah, away a few right. years ago, or a few years after this, so he was probably yeah. just like, no, I'm not going to fucking do that. I'm good on him. Good, good choice, Dennis. Uh, no, but yeah, like, when he shows up, I, I immediately was like, fuck you. Like, this isn't earned. This isn't fucking easy, writer. At the same time, it's another one of those things where, like, if you're if you're inciting incident of... Um, you guys are a bunch of posers. You're not real bikers. And uh, uh, here's, you know, X, Y, Z as to why you're not bikers. If that was introduced earlier in the movie, and then the rest of the movie was a series of situations in in which they did prove themselves as bikers, then when this deus ex biker shows up at the end of the movie, to be like, no, you you guys have lost what it actually means to be 
you know, uh, bikers and, and the wild hogs are actually with it. They're hip. They know what's going on. If we would have had examples of that throughout the movie introduced to us, then it would have been a satisfying ending. But the fact that they're they're just having a fist fight, and then oh yeah, I also want to mention it's not just uh, Peter Fonda that rolls up. They're fighting the bikers, and then the sheriff, uh, played by uh, Stephen Topolowski, who was uh, previously too afraid of these bikers to come out and actually help, the entire town comes running out holding pans and bats and all sorts of things, and they surround the bikers. And Stephen Topolowski has a, a, a line where he's like, if these four bikers can stand up to the likes of you, then so can we. And the whole town goes, huzzah! They start, like, cheering. And it's, like, the lamest fucking, like, children's television show uh ending to a, a, a movie like it seriously felt like a nickelodeon episode of like if they have bravery we can do it too right kids yeah where's the where's the clue blue like it felt so fucking pandering and lame and just like oh whatever like lazy drunk writer putting it down the page so it's not a satisfying resolution. They all just go, yeah, all right, like, that makes sense. And they all get on their bikes and ride away. <laughs> I can say with complete authority as somebody, as the parent of somebody who adores Blue's Clues, that there are more earnest and earned <laughs> lessons in a 20-minute episode of Blue's Clues. Steve or Josh, doesn't matter who's, who's hosting it, than in Wild Hogs. And that's about... Team Steve. Yeah, <laughs> that's about as about as damning as I could say to <laughs> to Wild Hogs. Uh, fuck this movie. It's terrible. Um, last last couple of points. I'm sorry that we're not getting out of Wild Hogs yet. <laughs> the, so there was the whole point of, of like earlier on in the movie where Martin Lawrence is meeting up with the group and he tells everybody like, "Hey, that's right. if my wife calls, I'm at a conference uh, in in Cincinnati about toilets." And uh, and then John Travolta is just like, oh, we got to be free, so let's smash all of our cell phones. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which is just just wildly irresponsible, but they do it. They all smash their cell phones. So then she's getting no contact from him, and she doesn't seem worried because we don't hear anything from her after his cell phone is smashed. So that plot point doesn't even fucking matter other than giving them not a reason to be able to make a call out. But... We later on, when they arrive in the town, uh, uh, Tim Allen calls his wife, and uh, when he's on the phone with her, uh, Martin Lawrence's wife is there, uh, uh, and she uh, says like, "Oh, hey, you know, I just got a call from my husband, husband Doug. They're in this in this town here doing this," and she said, "Oh my, he's what?" So like, she wasn't worried about the fact that they haven't been speaking for a week, uh, so it didn't matter that he smashed his phone. But here at the the end of the movie, as everyone's riding away in their bikes. The uh, 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 Doug's wife and uh, uh, Bobby's wife roll up in a minivan, and Bobby's wife gets out and starts just yelling at him, just laying into him, and and being like, "I can't believe that you did this," which is just very like understandable. Like you lied to your wife, and you're like, "I'm going to a conference in Cincinnati," and you went off on like a, a cross country uh, motorcycle tour with your buddies and didn't bring your cell phone, like you fucked up like there's a reason that you'd be yelling and then he he, he takes this time to like stand up to his wife and it's like you're always you're, you're always talking at me you never you never talk with me and you know i just i just need you to calm down and she just shuts down and goes yeah you know you're right and it's like that's the resolution 
to him feeling like a henpecked husband is that he fucks up big time and fails to communicate with his wife, lies to her, goes across the country, almost gets killed in a fight, and he goes, you still, you still trust me. You don't talk to me, babe. And she goes, yeah, okay. You're right. I love you so much. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, movie. Like, I was like <laughs> saying that out loud to the screen several times throughout this movie. It was like, this is like, it's such, it's such like toxic poison that is just yeah. like written into the lines of this movie of just like yeah that's what being a real man is yeah it's being a, a fucking asshole to everyone who cares about there's you. a lot of hot button like you know like we've already <laughs> said okay boomer toxic masculinity like you name it like this movie is like this movie's i, I think it's it, built on it i i want to say it's offensive but i but like that would be giving it too much credit because it's just yeah. so lame and pathetic and right yeah, Wild Hogs. Talk about a. Um, uh, I I know I've brought him up before. Nathan Rabin, who used to write for the AV Club and wrote like, uh, you know, wrote like My World of Flops and whatnot. Uh, he used to have a column called Forgot Busters, and this is very much in that Forgot Busters because lest we forget, this movie made like a hundred and seventy million dollars domestically in two thousand seven. It's troubling. Very troubling. I feel like March two thousand seven. Not to sidebar too much because we really got to get to our other movie. Get, but like, please. but that was I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's okay. <laughs> but I feel like that was the like what because March at some point sort of became like a like a like a summer annex before like ever before all year became like a blockbuster like all the time um, because like three hundred also came out the same month in the same year. Oh, and wow. it's like, like okay. there's, I felt like there was just a bunch of movies, like the like 300 wild hogs that were just like making money hands over fists for some reason. Actually, I won't say I don't love 300, but I won't say for some reason, at least it, I, I get why that caught Stylistically, on. Stylistically, it, it looks great. I get why that movie caught on wild hogs. I do not understand how this movie caught on with people. No. Somebody want to explain to me why I'm the one in the dirt. When I got sore jaws from three hours of blowing. Please, please, for the love of God, finish your sentence. Let's see, what, uh, what exactly do we have here? We've got one, two, three men in a bed spooning. This is not what it looks like. This is, uh, do we have, um, what is it, Woody? Camping. I'll tell you just exactly what it is there, Poindexter. It is four counts of indecent exposure, two counts of lewd, lascivious behavior, and one count of pure jealousy. But a movie that should catch on with people. Oh, I guess. Oh, no, it should. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? This movie's great. But it is it is one of the whatiest what's that don't, we will ever Don't want. oversell it. No, I'm, I'm going to oversell it because I think it is fantastic, um, personally. I mean fantastic in the realm of a what for sure but uh no this movie is delightful so ryan's babe from 2000 directed by ray ramaya phd um r.i.p he uh, passed last year did he really yeah he passed oh. in uh, february 2021 oh no man oh r.i.p definitely r.i.p yeah. i did not know that oh that's a shame um but, Sorry to bring it down to the episode. Oh yeah, no, no, definitely, yeah. R.I.P. Sir, um, rest in peace, sweet prince. But um, uh, I will continue to enjoy Ryan's babe after your passing. So, absolutely, I mean, you, you've left your mark. 
for sure i've i've this is like my fourth time seeing this movie um funny enough the movie so the movie was saved from being thrown in a dumpster i don't know if you've heard this story chris um saved i was i was i was waiting the joke to, to say like when when people say a movie is garbage it's usually hyperbole unless you're talking about ryan's baby oh which was literally in the garbage and then that's where it was saved from so what had happened was so so tyler baptist who's the co-owner of uh, a co-founder of videonomicon who put this who put this dvd out into the world um who actually i think is a letterbox mutual uh with me probably because i watched ryan's babe at some point and, and logged it um but essentially um he like it was like at a news station so because like in in canada there's like certain rules where like x amount of the stuff that plays over canadian airwaves has to be canadian and so that's how I don't know if you've heard of the movie Phobe, the xenophobic experience. That was a movie that was shot at some like news station that like then just played in syndication because they had stuff they could play. Um, huh. I think Ryan's Babe might have been something. I mean, it wasn't filmed by like a news station, but like like you know, it probably played on a, a cable a couple of times. Reading Tyler's letterbox entry, essentially, he was at some sort of news station, and what had happened was that they were throwing out a bunch of tapes. So anyway, there was a bunch of tapes that were getting thrown out and he just noticed one catch his eye and said, Ryan's babe. And he's like, mm. I remember seeing that on TV like 10 years ago or whatever. And so Yoink saved it. Um, thank God he did because it was the only uh, trace of its existence left. There was the, the it was shot on film, um, mm. but the film was destroyed, um, you know, like was not archived. So it didn't exist. So the only thing that exists was this one inch master tape from some new station. Thank, thank you, Tyler. If you're listening, thank you for saving this movie. Um, <clears throat> okay. So we got to get into it because this movie mm. takes all kinds of twists and turns. Um, <clears throat> most famously, I'm sure it got brought to light by a lot of people from, the YouTube channel Red Letter Media on their show Best of the Worst, which mm -hmm. we've said before, we are fans of the show. Um, however, as nutty as the movie is, and as fun as their show is, a bit hyperbolic, um, you know, because it's a comedy program, right? So you got to mm -hmm. do what you got to do. I think the movie is, I, I hesitate to say followable. I don't know if that's the right word, but you can... You, it, it, you're stretching it's, the definition if you're going to say it's fall. <laughs> it's not. I guess what I'm saying is you can it moves from scene to scene. You can trace it, I guess, but you're also yeah. but you but like it, the connective tissue is like is non-existent. Um, not there. Not there because we're going to have to. We're pretty much going to have to come close to his beat by beating this as we can. I'm mm -hmm. sure there's so many bizarre vignettes that I'm sure I'm going to drop one. Hopefully, you can pick up one if I do, and vice versa. Oh, um, I took copious notes because this movie, like most famously, like if anyone's seen the DVD, it looks like the cover of like Road Trip of like yes. the, the the Todd Phillips movie. But then the movie opens and it it, it opens on an attempted assault and murder, and you're like, wait, I, yeah, that's what I mean, assault. Yes, so I'm just like, yeah, uh, yeah. whoa, 
what what yeah. movie are we in? This well, and also like it it, does, it like open like when you say opens on you mean like it hard cuts into frame of woman being led into the woods. It fades up into it. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, it it there's no there's no. I mean, we get our title card after this, but like there's no yeah. production company logo. Nope. There's no. It just it just fades up, and two people are walking in the woods. And we have no idea who they are, what their history are, and all of a sudden he uh, assaults her and is trying to murder her, and yeah. she shoots him, and um, which also I couldn't tell. I think they are different people, but he looks like the dad of that we see later in the movie, and it threw me off. I think um, I think they're different people, but they just are that generic yeah. guy with a goatee, balding thing. Exactly. So me. she. She, so she shoots him and he's like, 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 like a flesh wound, but he's like, you shot me. You I mean, shot it's me. It's a gut shot. It, it should true. be like, it should be like Reservoir Dogs. It's fucking dying here, man. <laughs> Say the goddamn words. Um, but, um, and so then, uh, so she, she takes the gun, the first car that pulls up, she gets in the car and holds the driver at gunpoint. The driver is our, our titular Ryan. Ryan, right. Who she's like, um, I almost have to go ahead just slightly so that I can make the context for like what she's doing. She's like a, but sh- should you though, is my, is my question. Should, like, should we gonna beat by beat this? Should we keep the audience in suspense? Okay. So like, by by not go by going along with the movie because if if, sure. we, if we rearrange it and make it linear then like it'll almost make it more boring it's more interesting because none of this is coming to that's light a valid until point. like 20 30 minutes later so she she holds Ryan at gunpoint and it's like drive and she's like I killed my mother what makes you think I won't kill you or like I've had yeah. a bad day and we're like whoa what had happened and then Ryan's like well you think you've had a bad day which it's <laughs> like uh not the time dude no one wants to hear about your uh your uh degrassi-esque uh, melodrama that's happening in your life but uh and it's like it's not it's not comparable at all not even remotely close at not even remotely all. close because we get a we get a flashback we get a flashback to the first one yes the first flashback <laughs> where ryan is in like he's going to college uh, he tells us that a few times in the movie that that's what he does. Uh, he goes to college. Yes, I go to college. <laughs> so uh, he's dating. He's dating some girl, but there's there's this girl Connie, who's obsessed with him. I don't even think begins to cover it. It's very unhealthy. Her yes. like obsession with him, and so she's like trying. And Ryan's uncomfortable with it. Yes. Like he's not into it. Because he walks up to her, he walks up to him about, like, getting concert tickets, and then, mm-hmm. but, like, his girlfriend had got these concert tickets, and so she's, like, and then she's, like, riding her bike by, trying to break them up, and then she's trying to make them jealous. She's, like, see, some random guy, she's, like, hey, do you want to go for a drink? You're buying. Yeah. But then, like, wait, hands him money to, to then go yeah, 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 buy. yeah. You're, bu- yeah, you're like, buying. You, here's but... your money. So you're buying, but here's money. You're going to actually buy the drink. It's like Wayne's girlfriend from Wayne's World. Oh, yeah, Laura Flynn Boyle's character. In yes. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's like that obsessive... You know, Wayne, if you're not careful, you're going to lose me. Lost you yeah. 10 months ago if we broke up. <laughs> Get the net. Um, anyway, sorry. I've seen Wayne's World a lot. No, uh, you're good. No, but, like... Even in that scene where she's rolling up, like there's scenes where like she'll roll roll up and we'll get an insert shot of 
of uh ryan like looking seeing her like there and go like oh oh man like oh boy so like we get this impression of like she's a stalker like he's yes. not happy with connie being near him like no. he's uncomfortable well and so then then this this sort of like i think it's the bike when she like she rides by super fast on the bike and like the girlfriend is like mad she's like yeah like, she, she's she like, buzzes him she's like, like why don't you fucking why don't you tell <laughs> like, her to fuck off like you know? yeah she even says that yeah tell exactly her to fuck off. exactly and then so she which is a weird thing about this movie is that like if you think it's gonna go if it's gonna go like weird raunchy comedy like the the cover seems like makes it look to be like they're gonna go hard r with like the f words and stuff like that which i like made first note of is like early on in the movie they're using fuck pretty liberally so then you think it's going to go like that sort of comedy way and then when it doesn't go that way like it's it is framed in the context of like a dark drama yeah at times but then it gets really it, we'll we'll get into we have to keep getting into that's going to be our conversation is is ryan's babe a comedy a comedy i it, it's i mean it's it's funny but i don't know if that was what what i don't think they intended what no i don't think they did um so this attempt to her to interrupt she crashes her bike and right. she's hurt and then ryan like you know has a flicker of like he's uncomfortable but like they clearly have a history because he like he does rush to be like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm mm. fine, I'm fine." And then, and then we know they have a history because then we proceed to get a flashback within the flashback. Flashback number two um, <laughs> of them as kids, and because like Ryan, like similarly, like the bike crash reminds that like Ryan's like something happened to his bike. I, his bike got ran over by somebody that was at the gas station. That's what it, it wasn't was. even on the bike. You're right. So the, the bike just got hit. The bike gets run over, and uh, uh, Connie, as a kid, like, just, like takes her allowance money and yeah. buys him a new bike. And even, like, the dad, which we'll get into the dad, but, like, uh, there's a lot to get into with that character. We'll, we'll have to. But he even says, like, in that flashback, he's like, I don't like you hanging around that boy. Like, I <laughs> just, like, know that something. Oh, yeah. I, I never liked anything about him. It's just like, dude, he's eight. Like, yeah. you fucking cut him some slack. Exactly. Although he may have been onto something because Ryan's kind of a fucking asshole. I think Ryan might be a sociopath. I, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, not convinced that he's not. But I would remove might. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> totally fair. And then... Um, God, there's, there's so much end thinning. Um, but he, uh, she gets him a new bike, and he rides off on his bike, and she's like, "I want to ride on it too, Ryan." And then that's immediately, yeah. Too, she like she shows up at his house with a bike that looks exactly like the bike that he just got broken. And the the kid actor is uh, fantastic, and uh, it, it seems so genuinely shocked, and is like, "Wow, it looks just like my last bike." And then she's like, well, yeah, you know, here, I got you a new bike, like, with her allowance buddy. And she's, he just jumps on it and starts riding just off. Goes away. <laughs> and she's, she chases him on foot going, Ryan, I want to ride too, Ryan. And you're like, oh. You're like, yeah, you you're feel heartbroken so bad. For this little girl. Like, this guy's, this kid's a fucking prick to, yeah. like, just leave her in the dirt. She brought him a new bike. Yeah. And we found we have to find out. I mean, we have to fill in a lot of gaps that this has been a really toxic, bad relationship for them. Yes. 
since then because then we get into back into not present day but the first flashback, flashback number one but we get back to flashback <laughs> number one area uh and then we're introduced reintroduced to uh drunk hoser dad who's definitely well, can my we... favorite oh no I, so i want to pause because when we because when we come back so when we last last when we, sorry when we last left flashback number one was when uh, Connie got hit by the car and Ryan is like, hey, you know, your bike's fucked up. Here, I can help you uh, buy a new one. I'll help you. So it looks like they're going to reconcile and maybe start to have a relationship. So we drop into flashback number two, come out of it, we go back to flashback number one. And when we go back to flashback number one, it's just an establishing shot of the outside of an apartment building. It's just an apartment building, not right. one we've ever seen before, just a, a random building. And we hear off screen ADR, a man's voice and i contend it is not ryan's it is it is not the actor uh uh bill of acr bill, bill of acr thank you it is not his voice i swear to god it has to be somebody else well it does not sound like him i mean i wouldn't be surprised because one also important thing to note about this movie is there was no on set audio recorded no. everything All ADR. everything was dubbed so everything is dubbed. so uh, um yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that, for whatever reason, that wasn't him. <laughs> but it but it makes it more confusing because we cut back to a building. And with the building there, we get a voiceover of a, a, a man's voice who basically says, Back off, uh, get a life of your own, Connie. And then we smash cut inside of the building into an empty hallway as Connie comes running out of an apartment crying. And then some dude who uh, he looks like he's from a Sum 41 cover band. He comes running out after her and is like, Connie, I'm sorry. You know Ryan didn't mean that. And we're like, wait, Ryan as in like Ryan's babe as in the main character of this movie who just told, like he's having some like world shattering conversation with this girl, but like you didn't shoot it. You did it in a voiceover in order to move the plot along for this movie, but you didn't even bother to in, in, like involve the actors in such a pinnacle scene like this is literally the inciting incident of the movie is it's him true. telling her off and they didn't shoot it it's pretty incredible to be honest they didn't shoot it <laughs> <laughs> they had some other guy who's not the main character do a voiceover of the line that I kicks like, off everything it's it's baffling i also like that this is your second instance of comparing uh, uh somebody's look to like some band that was popular at the time <laughs> So, he does though he, looks he does like the he does knock look off like, lead singer of some 41 i was trying to remember his name and i can't but i know i know who you're talking about he doesn't he does look really a lot like that person um <laughs> so you're right i'm glad you brought that up because i jumped ahead one scene too far because it is the next scene where we're introduced mm -hmm. to drunk hoser dad right Yes, it, where he's, he's actually like hammered. He's at the bar and he's yeah. totally hammered. And this is like, and this is the first like, it is noticeable early on that like the audio is dubbed. But oh, in case yeah. you didn't see it or you aren't like, you know, that's the stuff you're picking up on. It becomes very clear in this scene because it is, uh, it is not synced up whatsoever because it looks like. Cause he's, he's like the, the bartender is basically like, no, you're cut off. Like 
you know, basically yeah. in so many words, telling him like, "You're cut off. Please, please escort him out the door." Yeah, you'll need to insert the actual audio from the scene if you can. I'll have another one, Jim. No more today, Bill. Please escort this gentleman to the door. Well, and and I can't do it. I don't feel I could do it justice without a visual. I will insert the audio for sure of what yeah. is happening. But in terms of like how baffling it is, because it looks like the bartender is saying the drunk dad's lines and his lines that's what it mm-hmm. looks like but it's because the audio is so badly synced that like he start his mouth starts moving before his lines because he says like uh no you're cut off please escalate uh, please escort this man to the door and i could see in his lips that's what he's saying but the audio sure. started like three seconds late <laughs> <laughs> but his mouth is moving the whole time. Like the yeah. the, the shot is a side shot, and, and it's like that shot from uh, um, oh god, what was is it? It's not Night Beast. What was the one that we watched with the, Night Killer? Uh, no, not Night Killer either. The uh, uh, Canadian one where the uh, uh, totem poles come to life and attack people in the claymation art. Oh, Winter Beast. We just talked about it. Winter Beast. Yeah. It's like that shot in Winter Beast where the characters are stacked side by side by side while yes. looking at the totem pole. That's what we're getting here in the bar. And the guy that's closest to the camera looking to the right, he's moving his lips the whole time, but his lines are basically like, I'll have another one, Dave. And then the voice changes while his lips are still moving and goes, that's enough for you. Escort this man to the door. Well, it's not not supposed to be. The first one's supposed to be the drunk dad. It's supposed to be the drunk dad. It's that same ADR artist voice, but there's only one continuous shot of a man moving his lips that none of it syncs up and it's two lines that play over it. It's so bizarre. And it, like, I I had to rewind it, like, twice for Megan. Because she was just like, wait, what? It's incredible. It's like, what the fuck is... Like, it's... And it's, it's that kind of shit that's in the movie where it's like, that's not... That's not a mistake. That's more than a mistake. Like, because yeah. you don't miss that. There has to be a point where you watch your movie and you go, oh... We use two ADR lines on one single shot of a man. That doesn't make any sense. I better cut that out. The fact that it's still in the movie. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it's hard to. Is uh, is mind blowing. But yes, the hits don't stop because just when you're trying to rack your brain around this double line, then a very heavy, very serious subject matter plot line comes back into oh, play. Yeah. Um, when drunk dad gets home and spots uh, blood in the sink and blood all around the bathroom and kind of to find out that Connie tried to attempt suicide. Well, and this is all happening while uh, uh, Connie's mom, uh, I guess drunk dad's wife, is on the phone being like, uh, she's fine. You know, she swallowed a bunch of pills and she she cut herself. And uh, But she, she said it was because of Ryan that she did this. And... Uh, but she's she's in the hospital and she's you know she's out of the woods she's she's doing better or whatever and we see drunk dad sort of had like this this realization uh, of of what's happened but like that's that's what like evidence number one that this is not like number two like because we already had the intro of the sexual assault and the attempted murder this is not a comedy or like it's not meant to be a comedy no um it's meant to be a heavy drama. It is, uh, but everything is so weird and everyone yes. is so off kilter and, and is so like, it's like so heightenedly melodramatic. Like it's like, like is evident by like the next scene because then we finally, you know, get 
the reason why Ryan was on the run for for why we incited this flashback number one in the first place, which is like him. They're all like sitting around campus reading. I don't know David Foster Wallace, whatever. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know which I have qualms with, but I will bring up at a later point because it. it okay, sure. Again, thing. Callbacks, uh, right? But then so they're 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 out in like a circle. And uh, uh, Drunk Dad shows up with his rifle um, and, like, Ryan is able to get hammered. out of there quicker than everybody else. He shows up hammered. He's just like, You're all a fucking bunch of gutless cowards. When I find that son of a bitch, I'm going to blow his head off. And that actor, he had to have been method because he yes. looked hammered. <laughs> I bet he was. <laughs> he had to have been. Um, and so, so Drunk Dad is pissed literally wants to kill ryan he's sitting there oh, yeah. with his rifle tries to tries tries he does yeah. shoot he does fire a shot off yeah and when, like and it's funny it's funny because like uh, his friends are all there and they're vouching like not telling obviously like this drunk dude shows up with a rifle is like where's your friend ryan like no one's gonna be like oh yeah, he's over there but like no one points him out and he's getting angry and angrier then he sees ryan like over at the end of this field he aims the rifle is uh, is tracking him as ryan is running up the hill and he gets a shot off, and then his friend grabs the rifle and lifts it up, which is like, I mean, yeah. did you want him to kill your friend, bud? <laughs> like, I mean, we also we also then? know this was badly ADR. The timing could have been off. <laughs> uh, there was a muzzle flash, which is which is why I was surprised by it. Oh. I was like, oh, shit. But, like, at the same time, it's like, I don't know, Brian's kind of a dick. So, like, maybe his friends were like, oh, it was our chance. <laughs> Let's get him, get him out of our group now. That, um, guy, that guy broke my bike. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's why he's on the run. And then we get back to our, our weird, uh, right. We yeah, get back now, to present day. We get back to present forward, day. Which again, we now need to revisit the, the woman points a gun at him while he's taking a pee on the side of the road. I think is when they're having this conversation. Uh, and, and, and she's like, I, I I murdered my mom and I murdered uh, the the security guard of my family for the last ten years and I'm and I'm on the run, and, and Ryan goes, oh man, you think you're having a bad day? Yeah. It's just like these aren't <laughs> comparable. Like you're not wanted for murder and on the lamb. Like you, there's a misunderstanding about like a girl, which again, the ins- it's it's also just doesn't make sense that like the inciting incident for the whole thing is that he he dumped this girl off screen and then the next thing that she does is attempt suicide which is like you can't not shoot the scene with these two characters having this fallout in their relationship which leads to this huge dramatic gesture that you, that that's not zero to 60 that's zero to fucking the moon like yeah. you you can't it, do it no it's that's that's so fucking bonkers but then yes they have this conversation and then are we at the diner next yes yeah this yeah. is where we're at the diner and they start to have like a bond like they, they're starting to like bond stockholm Stock- takes on pretty hard quick and quickly because it's like it couldn't have been that long no. um and so it's, it's, like they, it's within the same day easily yeah absolutely um and this is when is this when they have the um Oh, the, the like the music in this movie is fantastic too. Where it's like the you can't walk right oh. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like it, yeah, it seems like it's almost gonna be like a romance between them. Is what yeah. the movie's edging like, towards. Like they're they're it was a meet cute for him to get carjacked <laughs> and threatened to be murdered. 
this woman. Would you put it past this movie, though, for that no, to actually happen? I, I would almost prefer it to what we actually get <laughs> in the rest of the movie. Because, like, it seems like that's where it's going, and then the, they're at the they're at the diner and then there's like the a news footage that says it's playing on a tv that has been set up directly in front of their <laughs> table <laughs> yes. they just like wheeled a tv out the, on the cart the, like, we'll put the news on for the you the diner didn't have and this was also before the i mean even yeah but even then like bars in the days before flatbed tv flat tvs had right but you would play it behind the bar i know like mounted in the corner that's what's because clearly this diner didn't have a tv so they brought one they brought a a prop just for the scene to say that they've that they've arrested the person who actually murdered uh murdered her mother it it was like her brother-in-law like had, had murdered her mother and then like planted evidence and was working with the family security guard so that they could get the uh, like life insurance payment uh, from the mother, but he's been arrested and then she's been cleared of all charges. Right. So she's well. I mean, we, we still didn't. They, they never explained the guy who's sitting there bleeding out in the woods. No, <laughs> never, never. No, that's be... the that's the family security guard. Oh, is that? Oh, was that him? When she, oh. when she so like first off, I thought it was weird because he's wearing like a Secret Service earpiece in his ear. So it's just like, wait, where is he getting the mess- his messages from? But it's because he's security. Oh, so but he's... when she sits, she sits on his chest and she shoots him, she has a line of dialogue where she's like, you've been my family security for 10 years. Why would you do this to me? Right, right, I, right. I have to say this out loud or else the audience won't know what our relationship is. Audience still doesn't know what the relationship <laughs> is, even though it's explained clear as day. That's just how this... The, the... <laughs> this movie is there, insane there's so many other points that you have to like keep track of as it's going like it's, yeah. it's you're like oh yeah that's the, right the movie starts like a punch to the face and then the rest of it is you in a daze like trying to like catch your your feet again exactly so she that's right so that's right that was that person so she's cleared of all charges and then she's like really hysterical like really upset out yeah. at like the car and like ryan tries to like console her and then it was like and then he tries to hitchhike out of the movie <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> it's true <laughs> he goes up to the road puts a thumb out and then when a car pulls up he looks over sees her crying and goes yeah all right all right you, you move on but yeah. it's like oh we fucking also forgot oh no <laughs> my fault it's in my notes in the flashback so in in flashback one not before we go to flashback two but after we come back from flashback two we go back to flash flashback one um they show ryan driving and he sees a guy by the side of the road with a flat and so then he pulls over and he's like hey what's up and the guy's like ah you know i got a flat but i don't got a jack and in the shot ryan just kind of looks at him and laughs and then drives out of frame and for a split second i thought it was basically like ryan being like ha, sucks to suck and like, leaves the guy <laughs> Like, we get another shot where he turns around, gets out of his car, has a conversation with this couple that are on the side of the road. And they're like, well, this car has given us nothing but trouble. Uh, we'd like the look of your car. What if we trade cars? I thought well, this we'll... happened after. No. Oh, shit. Okay. It happens in this flashback. So, like, they're, they're like, we're, it, which made it super confusing when coming back from the flashback because I forgot we were in it because I thought we were starting another plot line or, like, there's, like, a million inciting incidents. Like, it, the, the movie is an amalgamation of, like, 10 or 15 different stories where they wrote the first 10 pages and then started working on a new story but kept Ryan in all of them. Um, but, like, they, 
have this conversation like we'll give you a thousand dollars cash us uh and to trade cars and it, it, brian's like yeah, cool i don't give a shit about my car whatever he takes it he's driving down the road in this new car and while he's driving down the road he gets like a news bulletin that's just like hey be on the lookout for these people that went and uh, bought a car cash uh from a used car lot and they they use counterfeit bills and the the license plate of that car is you know xyz blah 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 and so he realizes it's his car he's driving this stolen car people are on the lookout for this couple first thing he does is he throws out the fake cash from the window which i was just like if you get stopped you can at least be like i wasn't the couple they scammed me here's the fake money like yeah i i wasn't but he's like let me just get rid of the evidence for these criminals that just scammed me <laughs> throws out the window and then the next thing that happens in the flashback is this woman runs out from the woods and then we catch up to the rest of the story so the car that he's trying to abandon there when he's trying to hitchhike down the road is the car of these people That's that right. is currently being searched for so at this point in the story we're like we still think that it's a story element we still think that this car is being looked for that the the the, the, the it's there's an apb out for a blue car that has this license plate number there's a reason for him to want to leave it behind but he goes back to the woman anyway yes back to you ryan well and i was gonna say like that never like no one's ever looking for it that plot no. line never comes back up again um <laughs> no, ever no. again because then no, he because he gets hit he is this this is where he hitchhikes and he gets picked up by a truck driver no it's not oh god damn it <laughs> I'm glad you took notes because I was about to go into like the mafia like uh, scene. I thought that was next. <laughs> uh, oh no! Well, I'm trying to figure out because I know that he he doesn't get in the car because the car pulls up when he's trying to go, and then uh, they they uh, are like you know uh, they give him like a the pass or whatever. They're like yeah, hey, you know we're we're leaving here, and he goes okay, go on your way, and he goes back to her because she's like upset, and so we we. We cut back to show um, Connie's mom uh, is talking to Ryan's mom and having like this, I'm so sorry to hear uh, about, you know, Connie and and how bad she's doing. And I I made a note that uh, uh, Connie's mom, her eyebrows are painted on, but they're painting on at like a 45 degree angle. So she looks constantly angry. And it reminded me of Uncle Leo from uh, Seinfeld (laughs) when when they draw his eyebrows on with a Sharpie. Yes. And the doctor's like, no reason to be upset, sir. Um, I I mean, I could not think of, uh, I could not not think of Uncle Leo, but. They have, they're having their conversation, and then we cut to Connie in the hospital, and she has a vision of her dad, like, and, and it's like, it's like wavy, it's like wavy vision, like, uh, that vision of, like, you're coming out of a drunken daze sort of thing that they shoot in movies, so it plays like it, it's, she's, while she's in the hospital looking up through the lights, it's all bright and everything, she sees her father's face as he comes visits her, and he leans over, still drunk, and being like, you're you're gonna you're gonna be okay, Connie. You know, when I find this son of a bitch, and he pulls a shotgun in her frame and goes, "I'm gonna blow his head off." <laughs> and the movie doesn't play it like it's a dream. It plays it like it's something that she saw while waiting in the hospital, which is like your 
drunk dad like walked into the hospital with a loaded gun. It was just like, I'm gonna fucking kill that guy. So <laughs> he probably did, get, to be honest. I, <laughs> this guy probably did. This I, guy's out of control. It's um, in character. Well, and we know but, too, like you know, the, the the one subtle thing the movie does uh, is that, like, because we see that second flashback scene where clearly her mom and her dad are together, and in mm-hmm. the current day, they are not. <laughs> Nope. So. Nope. <laughs> I wonder why. Mm, uh, no, but I, I think after that, like, they basically, like, uh, I think Ryan has, like, a night where he wakes up the next day and he has an envelope. And the next thing is him, like, walking through. Um, oh, God. Walking through. Oh, no, he takes it's... her to the airport. And yes. she gets on a plane. And as he's walking out, he has a uh, an envelope that has a letter and some cash in it. And in the letter, the woman says, I love you, Ryan, which yes. is going to be a reoccurring thing. Every woman in this movie that meets Ryan loves him. Falls madly in love with him. Um, it's... And f- seemingly for no reason. Because he... Ryan is a non-character. No. He's... Other than him being like a, like a, an aloof dick. Yeah. Uh, except to one character, he's nice to he's nice to the the sex worker and her daughter. Yes. Later on, in the movie. it's his one like sort of redeemable arc. But other than that, yes, he's a sociopath, and we yes. will get into that. But that's right. So he's got the envelope with the money because she leaves it, and so doesn't he? He goes to track her down before she gets on the plane, and is mistaken for somebody else who also Some other supposed, guy. supposed to yeah, be like the a, air. Similar haircut. We were supposed to be there at the same time. It's like the like the opening scene of Collateral, where like yeah. with, yes. with Jason Statham, where they like hand off the briefcase. It's like that sort of like moment yes. as he's mistaken. And well, he's also wearing the exact same clothes as as the guy that he was mistaken for, and the guy that he was mistaken for is walking with a limp. And on his way out to like the parking lot, they show him like he he steps on a pebble or something, but like he doesn't That's even right. roll his ankle in the shot. Like you can see head to toe in the shot nothing happens he kind of like steps on a crack and he's like whoa and then he starts limping away <laughs> it's like what did you do <laughs> like i don't know he's just like, kaiser sosade <laughs> kaiser sosade is way out of the out of the airport and then a guy runs up behind him smacks him in the head and they stuff him in a trunk and now we enter the mob kidnapping story in oh, ryan's babe this is this is bizarre so he they so essentially the guy he's mistaken for is he's mistaken for there's like some, there's a mob war going on. I, I don't, I always wondered what like the Canadian mob would look like. And now I know, I guess. I guess he's like, guys? what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> about, yeah. <laughs> fuck you, buddy. It's like the most, like other than like Hoser dad, it's like the most Canadian accents <laughs> here in the movie is from the, the mob. You touch my son, I'm going to rip your fucking guts and shove them in your fucking mouth. What's your language, asshole? You want a deal? Talk decent. Talk Shakespeare. <laughs> Who is this Shakespeare? Where the hell's he from? Jersey? New York? Toronto? Are we supposed to be scared of him? Why the fuck do I want to talk to this Shakespeare? We don't know this guy. Tell me, what's your fucking deal? But, um, so there's like a turf, there's some sort of mob trade war going on, and they think that one side of the mob thinks that ryan is the son of the other Mm. mob boss so they kidnap him to use him as a bargaining chip and so this which to point out just real quick when they kidnap him they throw him in the in the truck 
or in the trunk of the car when he's unconscious, they put gaff tape over his mouth. Yes. And I was just like, if you ever want to spot a no budget production, if they're using gaff tape on their hostages, they didn't have any money. (laughs) That's all they had. All they had was the gaff tape. So they bring him in and he is being held hostage and by, uh, (laughs) Shakespeare comes a lot in the scene where like, where it's like, uh, uh, like, who am I? William Shakespeare. And then the one mob boss is like, who is this Shakespeare? Who the fuck is this Shakespeare? Should I know who this Shakespeare is? Um, and then there's, there's the one like henchman guard guy. Yeah. Yeah. Henchman who's obsessed with Shakespeare. He has, a, he has a playbill like in his pocket like he, yes. he has like a, a whole manuscript up here in his pocket that he's talking like spouting Shakespeare quoting Shakespeare yep. and I thought you even made the mention earlier that he's hanging out with his friends near the reservoir drinking beers he's reading like Faulkner or reading poetry or like like something out loud and we don't know what he does at college we just know that he goes to college and that's his profession because yes. well, that's what so, he said to the the criminal couple who sell him the car they're like what's your name Ryan well what do you do I go to college I go to college <laughs> so. that's, that's what I do uh, but like you know, not my, not what my major is not what I'm interested in doing I go to college yeah but like <laughs> this guy is like spouting Shakespeare and so then I thought like okay maybe when he goes to college uh maybe he's like a lit major or, or he's yeah. something they're where like when this guy starts shouting Shakespeare, they will form a relationship, form a bond or like he will find like some kind of kindred spirit to <laughs> formulate a way for him to escape. Uh, no, uh, he goes to, he goes to take a pee. Uh, no, he goes to take a shit. He's already taken a pee. There's already a point where the dude watches him pee freely through the door. And then there's like a later scene where he's taking a dump and so he's like, well, I need to close the door while I take a dump. And then, like, let's the, like, oh, tell me what you know about Shakespeare. And the guy outside the door just goes on a fucking, uh, uh, you know, monologue forever. Yeah. He's like, I need to about... be, he's like, I need to be on watch. Like, I really need to be paying attention. He's like, ah, but what the hell? I'll, t- I'll read it to you. Yeah. And so he goes on some, some super long sonnet. Something fucking thing. While Ryan ducks out of the window. Just goes out a window. And so, then runs away. Like, there's no guards outside. There's, like, no... Like, he hops on the back of, a uh, like, a flatbed, like, truck, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a, like, a flatbed pickup. Yeah. Meanwhile... It, it was, like, a... It's, like, a landscaping truck. Like, there's a bunch of, like, weeds and shit in the back of it. Right. Which, to me, like, this... this I'll, I'm going to give give the late Ray Ramaya some credit here. Because I actually think this... This was a comedy shot, I feel like, was actually intended. Like, a situation oh. that it's, like, okay, I'm going to comedically make my way out of. Because he gets on the truck... And as he's getting on the truck, the other mob like group shows up passes to by. the house and they pass yeah. by. And then you just hear gunfire in the background. I was going to mention that too, but but like I laughed. But like, I laughed too. But yeah. why? Like, what are they shooting at? <laughs> Did they like? And it's also as soon as the truck passes out of frame because it's a single shot. Yes. So we see that we see the cars pass. And then the the Humvee full of people with guns out the window is passing left to right as it goes. And as it passes out of frame, we immediately just hear a bunch of machine guns erupt. So it's just like, you all just started firing your guns in the air? (laughs) No reason other than, we're here. We're here. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, you'd think the element of surprise would have been uh, a better approach. It's like the... Or, or like, you're you're a fucking... You're you're a, a cr- like crime syndicate. Like, you, you're criminals. You should probably be trying to keep a low profile. Like, yeah. It's like the scene... It's like, war-torn country. You it's can like just the scene, machine guns in the air. It's like the scene of MacGruber when he goes to Dieter von Kunt's club <laughs> and, like, announces that he's here. And Ryan Felipe's like, uh... He thought you were dead. That was a huge advantage. <laughs> Why did you go do that? <laughs> so, um, oh, okay. So is this the is the next scene? So I'm the, the next scene is he, he, he takes that car. He, so he rides in the back of that uh, uh, landscaping truck, jumps out at the next stop sign, and starts hitchhiking down the road, and it gets picked up by the semi driver. That's right. Okay, that's right. And I don't know if you want to take the lead on that or no, you can take the lead on this one. <laughs> so he semi truck driver stops by. So it's like, well, naturally, you know, I'm going this way. The semi truck driver's going that way. He gets in and the guy driving the truck is like, Hey, you know, uh, how you doing buddy? And like kind of small talk and shit. And he's like, well, I'm going to eat some chips and drink this soda. Do you want some chips and soda? I was like, Oh, you know, I don't want any. It's like, Oh, come on, man. Like, you want some of this and hands him a bottle. And so then uh, I guess Ryan by peer pressure is like, okay, well I, I guess I'll take a, a sip of whatever you handed me drinks it. And then immediately like, Oh, like well, that's right. He's drugged immediately. Yes. He snoozes out. And so we're like, Oh shit. Like this truck driver, like maybe he's with like the mob guys like behind or whatever. And it like, Ryan snoozes out. The guy pulls his phone up and like gets on a, a phone call and he's like, Hey, uh, yeah, you know, I'm moving my illegal shipment of goods um, to the the next spot. Um, I picked up a guy on the road. He, you know, he just looked like my younger brother. I couldn't just leave him there. Uh, It's fine, though. I'm not going to take him with me. Uh, Yeah, anyway, I got to go. And he hangs up his phone and then just, like, reaches across the cab and goes, Hey, buddy, hey, get up. And then Ryan wakes up. Apparently, like, the drugs, like, had, like, this pocket of, like, 30 seconds that it would work on someone he wakes him up and goes hey um i gotta let you out here but uh about a quarter mile up the road just like go to this uh hotel and uh you know uh, they'll they'll take care of you you can feel free to keep the jacket and then brian gets out of the cab and it's like if and i know that they're trying to reach feature length but like (laughs) You made a story in the cab of this truck of this guy who's moving illegal goods because apparently everybody that Ryan has to come into contact with in this movie is a criminal to some degree. They like mm-hmm. ev- like that's a theme throughout the, the movie. Or associated everybody. with an, a criminal act of some sort. Because I, I was... or what could be deemed like an uh, an unethical act because yes. there are people who are not not you know overtly like committing a crime, but like what they could be considered amoral or immoral by or they mistake him for somebody who did something immoral because i i was like isn't the hotel scene where like the three like women break in is this where that happens or am i like jumping way ahead it's exactly where that happens. okay that's what i thought the hotel that he goes into he gets a job there (laughs) yes he gets a a job at the hotel and he's like because he's also like writing to his mom throughout the movie like she's getting letters because he writes one about this job at the hotel and then the other one which we'll um you know we'll get into later um but that's right he gets a job at the hotel and he's asleep at night and these three women oh go ahead there's the scene that that's in the hotel so he's when he works in the hotel, he's he's serving food of, yes. of some sort, 
and uh, when he's serving food, he goes and gives it to him, and then the the girls see him, and they pull out a uh, like a clipping from a newspaper and put it on the table. That's right. And they're like, that's the guy. That's the girl. That, uh, he attacked uh, Betty or whatever the fuck. The girl. I, I, I can't keep the character straight in this movie because there's that's 800 fair. of them. But he's like, he attacked uh, uh, Jamie and, and, and that's exactly what he looked like. And so then that's like the introduction to like the fact that, okay, so for Brian works at this hotel and these three girls are mistaking him for a, a guy who attacked a friend of theirs. Then we cut to ryan asleep in in his apartment yes and and they they break into the apartment in full cheerleader attire yeah i don't like they're trying to be disguised but it doesn't like he doesn't know who you are so why is he no. even why are you even bothering? And why are you in cheerleader attire like, why wouldn't the, the you put a ski attire, mask like, i'm assuming that you got that from the school that you go to so like it says the name of the university that you're a part of you could have just worn a black shirt yes <laughs> like what well, or a ski it's mask nonsensical. like anything anything uh but they're they're in the cheerleader outfits and then they're like oh yeah that's the guy like what should we do let's cut his dick off like let's cut his dick off <laughs> and um let's and cut then the, his dick off that's a line in the movie and they they were literally like one shade away from doing it until they actually think oh maybe we should double check first that this is the person and so they bring yeah. their friend in who was assaulted and she's like no that wasn't him he had much shorter hair than that he couldn't have grown that much hair in that short amount yeah it, yeah he couldn't have grown that amount of hair in two days and then they're like well let's drug him <laughs> it's like let's, let's drug him it's like why why it's, you yeah, you clearly like, just leave leave you just it's probably because they ran in wearing their university cheerleader outfits with no masks on at all <laughs> and we're like oh shit well he knows exactly who we are but they're like okay well we gotta drug him and we gotta just leave him at a rest stop somewhere <laughs> and so then they do they like the next scene is ryan waking up and also he wakes up in the rest stop to a sound of a woman screaming he doesn't yeah. like naturally wake up like oh Oh, and like come out of a daze there's a woman's scream and he wakes up and that does not get addressed no and so i was immediately like oh my god like what happened is this like the next part of the story he's gonna get up and there's gonna be some like attack going on he's gonna stop no he wakes up he gets out of the he walks out of the the bathroom at this rest stop everything seems normal no one apparently else in the parking lot heard the scream and as he's walking he's walking by a, a nondescript dude with blonde hair wearing a, <laughs> yes. a brown jacket and a black t-shirt driving a red car and as they're passing each other in the parking lot ryan stops leans over and goes are you canadian and the guy goes oh yeah i'm from canada um, and they have a conversation he's like yeah, I'm, I'm from the exact same like city that you are from canada and ryan looks around the front of the car he has arizona plates on he goes oh i'm in arizona he's like, oh yeah you know i have a, I have a bar down the street and i was immediately like is there some like telepathic connection between everybody who's Canadian to where like you can just see a dude on the street and be like, "Hey, from Canada?" Yeah, it's like I am from Canada. <laughs> it's like it's, one it's, in a million shot. It's what like Theodore, Theodore Rex. Don't they have that like uh, telepathic? <laughs> 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 Bet you didn't think that would come up again. Sucker. Even even Whoopi Goldberg wouldn't be in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I guess unless the producer sued her to do so. I mean, but... I mean maybe now she would. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe now. But um, but yeah, this, yeah, see, this guy, scene. this is the guy that owns the male strip club. Yes, and this is where uh, there. I think two things have happened. So, well, one of them. This is another moment where he writes to his mom mm-hmm. uh, that they're like, "Oh, I'm doing good. I'm down here in Arizona. The guy's got a club. I'm start working for him." Um, but there is a scene and and um, where Connie's uh, wait no no Ryan's mom goes to visit Connie's dad to try and like talk him down from like trying to kill Ryan. Um, well, I'm also I'm also jumping ahead. In, in the, the storyline, the, the guy that he met is not the guy who gets him into the strip club. We were skipping over the the, uh, the sex worker. The oh, guy. that's right. That's And then it's the, you're right, you're yeah. right, you're right. But, yeah, yeah the, the, the father that is drunk and wants to kill Yes, because because Ryan's mom goes to try and talk like we've known each other for years, Bill. Like you know, like Mm -hmm. just don't be so hard on the guy and like blah blah blah. And uh, he didn't do anything wrong. And that's when he says my favorite line in the movie is like, "I don't need no lectures now. Get the hell out before I throw you out." (laughs) And he also is calling him a son of a bitch to his mom's face, which is like, "Hey, hey, bro." (laughs) Exactly. Can we calm down? And then is it before the sex worker scene, we have the scene of, like, Connie has, like, a super sad, like, uh, like, montage set to another, like, weird, like, uh, uh, Canadian rock song? Well, there's also, there's also the really weird scene where, uh, Connie, and I don't get this at all, Connie shows up at Ryan's mom's house to That's try right. and, like, make amends. And then Ryan's mom starts yelling at Connie about, like, her making up fake stories. And this is the first, like, this is not the only instance. There will be other instances after this. But this is the first instance in the movie where people start saying that Connie is making up fake stories about Ryan. And we as an audience have no idea what they're talking about. Like, the last that we've seen is that, I mean, as far as we know... Connie has like an obsessed thing with Ryan. Ryan is disinterested and Connie goes to try and kill herself and, and survives. Like she, she, and, and maybe like the fake story that they're referring to is that she supposedly ate pills, but she didn't actually eat pills. Mm. And when she slit her wrist, she slit, uh, not that deep and it was across the wrist. It wasn't down the wrist. So then uh, according to, uh, the, the, the call on the phone from the doctors, they said that it was like a cry for help. And right. so then people start referring to her suicide attempt as a, a fake story and start like flipping shit to Connie, which is fucking awful. Yeah, she's like, being gaslit uh, a lot a in this terrible, movie. It's a terrible, not just from she's Ryan. She's got fucking but, issues. And people yeah. are like, you didn't actually try and kill yourself. And this is like, well, uh, for fuck's sake, if you're like mutilating yourself, you've got problems. People should be helping you. And everyone's just dismissing her outright. Right. And it, and it's so, and the weird thing is like, it does become inconsequential when we'll get to that, but it's just like, it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, but then, you, so this is that's right. The this next is, story is he goes is to the, the job the at the hotel yep. when he's uh, working as uh, at the casino, yep. and he meets the sex worker with uh, the young girl. Yes, because the, the 
single mom uh, husband head is dead. He's deceased because he mm. right because he. Um, and I he believe was, so. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. It's it's right because he like he was like started out as a nice guy, but then he like gambled a bunch and then got in with sharks and then he became aggressive and and like abusive to her. But then mm. he owed a bunch of money and then he got shot. Um, yeah. But by cops. By cops. And so. Well, and and I was confused by this too because there's a. We. It's another instance in this movie where we hard cut to her in the car when we don't know her. And she's talking to some guy who we also don't know who is like very aggressively like, you're going to go out there and you're going to earn me money. Right. And like. So it's just like, oh, this is like an abusive pimp relationship with his prostitute. Like, it's not good, not healthy, terrible thing. But. I don't know these characters, so I don't know the context. I don't know what's going on. And then Ryan is, like, introduced to her after that. And then after that, introduced to her daughter. And so then I didn't get, was her husband that guy in the car? Or was I don't that... think so. Okay. I don't I... think so. I don't think so. I think she's... I, 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 I think don't she... know. I think she had taken on like that line of work in order to make ends meet and okay. sort of like pay off debts and and whatnot. Um, I don't think that was. I think that was her pimp. Um, sure. And then, but they, I didn't know if it, like it started as her husband and then became her pimp or like what. No, because she was. she gives a whole story about how he had he had died and they'd been on their own and that's okay. why she's doing what she had has been doing and they form a relationship. It's the only sort of like humane sort of like not humane but the only like sort of emotion we get out of ryan at all in the movie is it's like the longest vignette in the movie that we spend time with i think uh, longest relationship vignette yeah. anyway yes definitely um and then that one and, and it has a i don't know a nicer resolution than any of them even kind though it's of? i mean it's so weird though the, the, the pimp gets suicided by cop <laughs> well okay that <laughs> I was talking about the I was talking about the lottery winnings, but yes, that that part is is uh, I mean it's it I guess it all works out conveniently, right? The pimp gets off, and then Ryan wins like hits like the power not Powerball, but like Kino or something. Wins he was twenty like, k. Yeah, at his he, job, which is like I I'm amazed that if you're working there that they would let you to win. I would expect most workplaces to be like. Oh, you're well, gambling on the clock? <laughs> like Maybe it was on his break. I don't know. Because they do let you. I mean, uh, not on I, the clock. Not on the clock, but, you know. Any, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, he was um, just wearing his apron and shit. And I was just like, dude, you're on shift. They're going to let you do that shit? Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, either way, he won 20K. And yeah, he, he won, gives, he won 20K. Gives, it, gives it to them. And just like, he's like, I don't need it. I was like. Well, know. and like, because he, he wins the 20K. And it, it seems like it's a pinnacle moment in his character. <laughs> Uh, quote unquote heavy heavy swish swish quote unquote character is that he went to the 20k while working there and then we get like shots of him standing out by the grand canyon and um there's like superimposed shots of connie who's just like ryan uh i love you and uh, why do you seem so indifferent polite and indifferent she looks like and indifferent. She, she's in the sky. She looks like like Virginia Madsen in the beginning of David Lynch's Dune that like gives the expo- <laughs> uh, expositional monologue. I was like, saw Connie come. She's like, oh, she's gonna tell us about the spice melange. All right. <laughs> but but it's like, why why is Ryan thinking of Connie? 
he has never, ever, ever cared about this woman. And suddenly no. she like he wins twenty thousand dollars and 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 I like maybe maybe he saw something in this uh, uh sex worker down in Arizona that like reminded him of Connie, but there was nothing because she's not a character and neither no. is Connie. But there's like nothing in those two people in the movie that makes you like make a connection that like he would be thinking of her. Mm-hmm. And but like he has like this moment of reflection, and so then he gives her the twenty thousand dollars, and then a, a, again we find ourselves at yet another crossroads in this movie. This this movie that is just nothing but crossroads, where it's like okay, in a normal movie, if we would have gotten to this point where we are now clearly at the third act, or like it's not in, it's not in acts, but if it was, so this would be the third act. He would have the realization of I I fucked up. Connie is the only girl that's ever loved me, and I've been uh, too blind to see it. I need to go back home and set things right. And then the third act would be him trying to resolve these issues that he's like. Yeah, that would be like his breaking point. <laughs> However, the next thing that we get is that he goes to a a bar and the bar is a a male strip club and the guy who owns the bar is just like hey you know there's a bachelorette party coming by tonight if you want to strip we'll give you money for it and then him being like yeah cool so it's just like okay well you're not you're not beelining home you're like you gave up 20k to then go get a jar to a job to make some cash at, at this bar down the road then for like male strippers like he just needed that money to get back to Saskatoon or wherever fucking, he's at. He could have given know. her nineteen thousand dollars and then kept the last thousand for himself and made it home just fine. Like, I, I mean, have you what seen? What is your motivation, Ryan? Have you seen Ryan? We don't know what his motivation are. He's just he's just a smiling block of wood, fucking buffoon. He's like he's like Plank from Ed Ed and Eddie. He just gets moved <laughs> from like spot to spot with the same expression. And nothing changes, <laughs> and so he didn't. He's not the type of guy to think this through. <laughs> no, clearly, clearly not. Because like they they show up there, and like I thought it was really so. First off, before like so we have like the conversation of the guy being like, "Hey, you know, if you if you dance, we'll give you some 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 money," and then we get this like older, uh, late fifties pack a day smoker redheaded lady it's like julianne moore's character in boogie nights and i know i'm i'm throwing i'm throwing a lot of inspiration yeah even even rough which if you've seen boogie nights that's already a pretty rough uh spot that character's in so rough like she's had she's had a bad time walking up to some younger women at this bar and the the, in like a playful way of like oh hey i'm here what a surprise and the girl at the bar is just like I don't want to fucking see you. Like you, you, uh, you killed my dad. And so we, as the audience are like, Holy shit. Like what's going on? And like, we understand that it, it's her stepmom, uh, that, uh, like, she, you know, they, they've had a rough relationship, but then her dad died and she blames her for his death. But like the way that it's phrased, it almost seems like maybe she was like responsible for a murder and that there's somewhat of a mystery going on. Like we don't really know. Mm-hmm. And again, like the rest of Ryan's babe, we are just now being introduced to these characters at the 60 minute mark or 70 minute mark of this movie or whatever. And there's a murder going on. So we're like, what the, okay, sure. Whatever. It just like, <laughs> it's fine at this point. 
<laughs> whatever. Just I will just give it every conceit I can. What is going on here? And uh, so we go through like the the bachelorette party starts for that girl who who blamed her her stepmom for the murder. And so everyone's uh, partying. There's music going on. It's it's terrible. They paid two dollars for uh, all of the tracks that happen in the next two minutes and instead of having dialogue scenes between characters in the scene to learn anything about the characters they just play this terrible music and do go through three terribly shot male strip teases mm-hmm. and this is not magic mike uh, no. there's, there's no magic going on at Soderbergh all Soderbergh did not shoot this and on top of that <laughs> nobody looks like Channing Tatum or no. Joe Managilo. I I'm one of these dudes name. has my body. Yeah, <laughs> <me>. same. <laughs> Which is just like no one's no one's throwing ones at this guy unless they're like, oh, we will pay you money to leave. <laughs> like, if I give you all the money in my wallet, will you get out of here? Like, that, that's that's sort of what's going on here. But then like they're they're undulating and doing everything they gotta do, and then Ryan gets out there in his little his little cowboy boots and his hat, and he's doing his dance. And then we get like a, a, a quick shot of a woman at the bar who's dumping a, a powder into a shot uh, mm-hmm. and, and mixing it around. And so we're like, who is this woman? And again, like, this may have just been me uh, uh, having an aneurysm and not recognizing this woman. But I don't know who that lady is that's mixing the drugs in the shot. Was that either. the friend of the, the bridesmaid or like... Because I don't no. remember her being in- introduced. I have no idea. But all because I knew it makes that, it weirder. It does make it weirder. But all you knew, like, when you see something get mixed and drink, like, oh, well, here we go again. Ryan's getting yeah. drugged. <laughs> right. But, like, it's like he's doing his dance. And it's not like he does his dance. He's done, hey, you know, come over here, dancer man. Like, we want to, like, uh, we're, we're going to court you. We're going to bring you to this uh, darkened uh, table in the back corner of the strip club. And we're going to do shots with you. He's dancing on the dance floor, and this woman just walks out while he's doing his dance and hands him the drug shot, and he takes it and starts losing his balance and being like, oh, oh, oh. In, in his, uh, the famous Canadian boxers. Wearing his Canadian flag boxers and, and, and his cowboy boots, but clearly drugged. Like, he's mm-hmm. taken the shot, and he starts, like, losing his balance, and she just, like, throws his arm over her shoulder and leads him off the dance floor and everyone in the club is like like cheering and like music still playing but it's just like clearly this woman just walked in front of a crowd of people who are for whatever reason enraptured for ryan's dancing and totally into what's going on here and watched him get drugged and then they're like oh okay well show's over Like, none of you have a problem with what just happened. Like, it's very clearly. The moral of the story. The moral of the story is don't go to Arizona. (laughs) Just don't. Just don't do it. Well, it's even more. Like, I I wouldn't even say even more fucked up. It continues to be fucked up because we see him drugged. He's walking off the dance floor with this woman who, again, we don't know and we don't see again. So I don't know what her relationship was to this entire thing that's going on. But he gets led off the dance floor and we do a crossfade into Ryan naked in bed with that older woman that we saw earlier Mm -hmm. with the whole murder plot of the husband. And uh, presumably post 
coitus. I, I, I guess you could make the argument like Ryan tries to get out of bed and we can see that he has his boxers on. So maybe they just dragged his uh, lifeless, drugged body into the bed and just left him there and they didn't have sex. Um, but either way, uh, that's still assault. So yes. it, it's still very much illegal what they did. Yeah, <laughs> Very they much. Tr- they drag him in there and she has like this whole confession of like, I didn't kill my ex-husband. I didn't, uh, you know, we, we had this relationship. We very much loved each other. Um, blah, 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 blah. None of it matters. You've just drugged a man and dragged yeah. him in there to hear your monologue. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, this is where he calls Connie, right? <laughs> well, I mean, he... like, this is the moment that he, he, well, he leaves. And while he, after he leaves the uh, hotel, he's driving down the road and again, on the radio, uh, the the radio man says uh, the the body of a woman was found in a hotel uh, having suffered a massive heart attack. So Ryan had like snuck right. out of the hotel at like early in the morning and like left her in the bed. And then he hears on the radio like no foul play is expected or whatever. And he's like laughing. <laughs> he's, yes, he's, he's a sociopath. Visibly, He's visibly cracking up at the sound that he just woke up next to a dead body and then left her there. And he's like, oh. Yeah. Again, he's a sociopath, borderline psychopath, and just like, I I just, I can't. And then this is, okay, so that's right. That happens. And this is where he calls Connie and says, I'm, I'm going to be home in a few hours. And like, I can't wait to see you. And he's like, I'm coming for you, babe. And it's like, no, she was no. the babe the whole time. This can't be right. This is Ryan's wrong. babe is the is the woman that he told to fuck off. So she tried to kill herself, and he never had any interest in her whatsoever. And then now, just suddenly, like, well, because well, the movie has to end. Because so. he went through this journey, so now he, we're supposed to believe Which, that he's changed, but he hasn't. And he he, he, he hasn't, doesn't have a character because so there, he has, there's no arc. No, he, there's no character arc and is evident by the final scene in the movie that he'd never changed is that he's driving down the road, continuing on his way back to Saskatoon or wherever they're at. And he sees a, sees a woman hitchhiking and he picks her up. Mm-hmm. Like you would think at that point with all the misadventures, all that the he would stuff roll by and that would be the final shot of the movie is him being like, ah, you know, I'm not going to get me, not today. Not, no. not going to get involved with this. No, but nope. He pulls over to the side of the road, lets her get in the car. Uh, she's like smoking a cigarette, like kind of like has like a badass attitude. Um, and a cop drives by and she leans over the driver's side door to give the cop the finger and then, which is illegal, I guess, in Canada. I, so. I guess so. <laughs> Pulls over, <laughs> takes Ryan out of the car, puts him in cuffs. cuffs him. Yeah. And all we're left with is his face looking handcuffed over the police car. Like, well, she, because she gets out of the car and, like, which, like, I don't know, maybe it's like American police, so I have like a different idea. But, like, if you get out of the car when you have not been ordered out of the car by the police, you're about to get fucking beaten and tased, and it's, it's yes. going to be a ba- it's going to be a bad day for you. But she she gets out of the car, and the cops an attitude, and is like leaning against the top of the car and looking back. And Ryan, Ryan, like after his entire like arc, oh my, it's not an arc, but his entire no. like his ending point is realizing that Connie is his babe. And so then they're going to be together. Uh, this is 
completely irrespective of Connie. He's out there in the middle of the wilderness with like this random woman. And he's just like looking at this lady who we literally just met a minute and a half, two minutes before the end of the movie and just smiling at her and like shaking his head like, uh, oh, here we go again. It's just like, you're either you're either a sociopath or you have the memory of a goldfish and like literally everything that happens in your life is a new profound experience and you and you are unable to collect memories and grow from them <laughs> those are the only two choices <laughs> maybe it's like uh maybe he's like uh oh i'm trying to think it's not total recall but i'm trying to think of like the where they're just like other people are sort of like touristing their experiences through him he's just a surrogate that's... <laughs> he's, he's not a real person <laughs> yeah exactly it's like everyone else is living their like base fantasies or weird experiences out through him he, he's literally a movie <laughs> character in that he doesn't actually have a character he's he's just a bucket and the audience will pour our experiences into him exactly. it just so happens that in this movie all the experiences suck. It, it, and and that that shot of him, like you said, of him just sitting there like smiling like, oh, well, like here we go again. That's the last shot of the movie. Fades yep. to black and the credits roll. Yep. And it's like, what? No. What did I witness? <laughs> no resolution. No no lessons learned. No, nope. no one grew. Uh, no one even really had a starting or defined end point. Like it, it's... There was just sort of people for like a period of time, and then they, they they weren't there anymore. And that's Ryan's babe. It's it has changed me forever. <laughs> I am a changed person from this but movie. Like, if you haven't seen it, I feel like we can't do it justice with with, with our words. Like we tried. I I will we'll talk about this movie endlessly. Uh, but I. I would encourage anyone out there who is a fan of the strange and of the uh, quote unquote good, bad uh, Ryan's babe. If people refer to the room as like the citizen cane of, uh, of bad movies, Ryan's babe is like the apocalypse. Now <laughs> they were just, they went out there just sweating and I, just, yes. just, just went through hell to make it like, Francis Ford Coppola, Ray Ramaya, PhD, like, you know, they're similar playing field. So, um, no, but you're right. This, this is, this is when we talk about it's, it's what a movie movies, that should not exist in the form that it does, just like Apocalypse Now. Like, it, it, that's true. That's true. And, and the thing is, when we look for what movies, this, like, we, what has been a catch all for us, but the types of what we look for are those ones that's like, this is something you've never seen before, and I guarantee you've never Impossible. seen a movie like Ryan's Impossible. Babe. There is no movie like it. It is no. it is a one of a kind. Um, so yeah, that's our that's our uh, road trip with the road to nowhere. We 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 tackled two movies that about travel down the road ourselves. I'm sure this is going to be a very long episode. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to have my work cut out for me. I'm going to trim some of probably trim some of that wild hogs conversation down because it's all gold. No, 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 nobody needs to hear us talk about wild honks for as long as as we did. But um, um, but before we wrap up, next week um, is going to not be a traditional episode. Um, it's but it's not going to be a minisode either. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to be talking about the Batman, the latest film the in Batman. the the Batman uh, um, the, the the Batman series uh, directed by Matt Reeves. 
But we will be looking through Batman through the years. We will be covering, touching on everything from the 1966 Adam West movie all the way to last year's uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. So we're going to be looking at Batman all through the years and then leading into our conversation about the Batman. So the Batman. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. We are both the Batman fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, neither of us have seen the new movie. We're just fans right. of Batman. So I, it'll be a good, good conversation. I look forward to it. But in the meantime... You can find all of our episodes on our website at thegoodbadwhat.com, and you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, and many others. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thegoodbadwhat, and you can email us at thegoodthebadthewhat at gmail.com. If you're feeling generous and want to support the show, we have a donations tab on our website, and all donations will go back into the show, whether that's to offset the cost of running movies that we discuss or upgrading our equipment. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find in the show notes respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at THOCristo89 or on Letterboxd as C underscore THOM. And you can follow me on Twitter at Riley90, it's R-Y-O-L-I-E-90, or on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with our take on The Batman. You always seem to be there to rescue and comfort me. Could it be that you care for me and love me without even knowing it?